What's up, everyone? We are live with Game Face, the flagship show for Sifted Games. Hope you guys are ready for a cool hour or two or three. At least. <laughs> of the hottest game news of the week. It has been an odd week, Matt. Not a ton of huge stories, but just a metric ton of little ones. A little, yeah, a little like, what? He said where? He said who? You know, while well, we all kind of wait, because like, it's like nothing came out. Like, we're waiting yeah. for Zelda and... Uh, well, Zelda well, did... Well, the reviews came out. Anyway. Reviews came out, but, but the actual game and the Zelda and Black Desert don't come out till Friday. Yeah, and then Divisions next week. Yeah, but uh, we're all everyone's kind of taking a breath right now. Yeah, it's trying to put together topics for the show today, and usually we try to find you know when we put together topics for Game Face, we try to find big ones that are expansive and wide, something that Matt and I can really kind of generate good conversation over. And it was kind of tough putting them together, but mm-hmm. this is gonna—I will say—this is probably gonna be the biggest intro we've ever done for a Game Face because. We're going to touch on a lot of the little stories in the intro today. Uh, the first one we're going to talk about is Battlefield Five. Yeah. R- rumor swirling. I honestly did not think the game was going to come out this year, but it is now. Apparently, apparently. Yeah. it is coming out this year. One. The other thing too was there was a, a retail leak, which is quickly becoming like the way all new information is <laughs> disseminated in this industry. Yeah, don't tell Amazon in Europe anything. Apparently. Yeah. Well, once again, they. Kind of broke embargo, screwed up, posted things before they were supposed to, and one of the descriptions for Battlefield Five said that it takes place in World War One. World War One tactical shooter. Yeah. Hmm. Were there hmm. tactics in World War One? Well, <laughs> one or two. Yeah. Dig a trench, lay in it. And dig just, trench, run at artillery. Yeah, That's pretty much. much. Yeah. How do you feel about that, Matt? There's that Kickstarter game. I can't remember what the name... Battalion something or others. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, there's, so there's a game that was on Kickstarter over the last couple weeks called Battalion something mm. something, and it goes back to World War II. Mm. And, you know, it's, Call of Duty hasn't gone back to World War II in forever, and the Kickstarter exploded, literally. It was like... I think they funded the whole project in, like, three days, and now they're at the point where they have stretch goals for a campaign, because initially it was just going to be a multiplayer okay. shooter. So... The demand is there, at least on a scale where you can support a Kickstarter, at least. Mm. So there's a, there's a couple million people out there who want like a World War One, a, a retro-styled shooter, so, so to speak. How do you feel about that, Matt? Do, do you want to go back I, to... I, I wouldn't mind going back to World War II. I don't know about World War One. Yeah. Like, that's, <laughs> World War One's harder to, to build sort of drama around, both in terms of, you know, kind of the tactics you're stuck with and sort of... Isn't that Far Cry Primal? I'm kidding. <laughs> no. There's far less they trench little, warfare in yeah. Far Cry Primal. I mean, I'd be, saying, in, like, I'd be in... the weapons, like sticks and stones. Yeah, like. a little bit. I'd, I'd, I mean, I'd be into, to, um, uh, you know, like, biplane combat or yeah. something like that. But I, mean, I don't know. Like, most of, like... Most of a World War One shooter would be, like, a quick-time event game where you have to prevent yourself from getting trench foot or something. I mean, that's... <laughs> And, like, there's no, there's also, like, no real political, like, overarching, you know, because the World War II's kind of got the good versus evil thing going yeah. on, where you're fighting the Nazis, and, right. like, everyone can agree that the Nazis, they suck, you know, yeah. Yeah. whereas this is sort of, like, kind of the, the modern, first modern, like, after the Boer War, it's kind of the first modern, like, expression of, like, the endless 
you know, kingdom wars in Europe yeah. that had gone on for hundreds of years. And so, well, like, it wasn't even called World War One when it happened. The war to end all wars. That, right, exactly. Oops. And then only after they <laughs> called World War Two World War Two did they, in hindsight, go back yeah. and call it World War One. Yeah. So, like, they called World War One a world war. It was yeah. like, oh, this was a world war, but no one thought to like call it that. Call you know, it's, it's like yeah. You know, well, I mean, it's just like you didn't call the first battle of Bull Run the first battle of Bull Run right, until the second yeah. battle of Bull Run happened. <laughs> But um, I don't know. I don't know. Like I, I guess they could make it interesting, especially if you're more talking about kind of the multiplayer, open, huge area battlefield yeah. uh, tradition. Um, but like, I feel like you're going to run into the same thing the Battlefront has, where it's just like there's not really just that much happening. Yeah, you know, I feel like you'll you'll it's going to be a simplified thing. And you might run out of ideas. I mean, I mean, I guess you could have a like shotgun. You know, trench trench warfare has shotguns and stuff. But like, yeah. I just don't know. I mean, who knows if it's well, even at true? Well, first I was like, my knee jerk reaction was like, whoa, well, you know, what can they do now with the technology that they have available that they couldn't do back when they made these games? Mm-hmm. But you know, Battlefield 1942 was on PC, and like, so the tech was actually kind of there already because the PC was so far advanced over consoles back then. So. Yeah, I'm kind of at a loss. I, I honestly don't know if I would be that excited. Obviously, you're going to lose traversal. The crazy traversal that's kind of come around over the mm. last few years is going to be just running, crouching, crawling, that type of stuff. So unless there's a lot of like you know mantling over like yeah. trenches and st- I mean, if it's like a more cover-oriented yeah. take on battlefield, maybe I don't. That would be really boring. I think. Yeah, pro- maybe I just <laughs> like I don't know where you even start with that. If you're trying to if you're trying to give a battlefield experience, I don't even. I mean, I guess you have to really work in the mixed unit tactics and bring in those horrible like, old you know first wave tanks. And, right. And I mean, like jeeps didn't even exist yet. Like what do you? <laughs> like I don't even know what you're doing there. I mean, you know, like I guess like you know I mean you can do some fun stuff with the biplanes and like maybe the biplanes. You know, I mean gas like you know gas warfare like chemical warfare is yeah. a whole thing, but like that just seems annoying. Yeah, that just seems like grenade spam writ large. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'll, it I'll could all be false by the yeah, way. This whole be. conversation could be, could be a moot point. So, yeah. <laughs> so but like a lot of those leaks aren't wrong. You know, yeah, like, but in this case, um, someone just might have missed an eye. Yeah, it was it's World true. War II. It could just be World War Two, and yeah. I wouldn't mind going back to World War Two. Yeah. I, I still, I, even if it were World War II, I wouldn't be that excited about it, to be honest with you. I, I mean, it, it was the war that every first-person shooter sort of used as its fodder for, mm-hmm. like, 10 to 12 years. Like, when I burned think out about on it, it. Well, when you think about it, we still do. I mean, yeah. Star Wars is kind of World War II yeah. when you think about it. <laughs> but, um... You know, I I feel like you know Battlefield hasn't really moved into the kind of the future war stuff and the traversal yeah. stuff that uh, that Call of Duty or or you know or Titanfall has. So like, if Battlefield wants to take it back to their you know the, the their oldest and greatest moment, like I'm kind of cool with that. Yeah, I mean like, it does separate itself a little bit. And it, well, I mean to be honest with you, Battlefield Four is still different from the yeah. modern first person shooters, and it's not that old. So. Yeah, I don't know. I have uh, mixed feelings about it, to be honest. Um, I'm sure we'll find out soon enough. Hopefully at E3 in a nice presentation and not just some executive guy just deciding to tell us. Well, it won't be on the floor. No. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right, next we're going to talk about Street Fighter V. Matt, I think the game may be bombing. I think the game's selling a lot more on digital. It probably is, because especially don't think fighting it... games, because it's something people just want to have on their console. Right. 
load it up, play a few rounds, go back to whatever you're playing. You don't have to put the, you don't have to put the disc in every time. Um, Here, so it's going. Well, I mean, it's going well in terms of like you know, in terms of the health of the community. Like you know, they've already got a record number of people signing up to to be in the tournament at Evo. Yeah. I mean, clearly that side of things is going well. Is it going to sell the millions of copies that these games normally? You know, is it that I thought it was going to? And it still might. I mean, it's got a long way to go. I mean, yeah. I mean, look, this is one. They're not panicking at Capcom right now because they yeah. know this game is one is is getting better already, and it's going to keep getting better. Um, they also know that it's it's a game that has legs, and it's going to sell. Anytime someone we, we mentioned this before, anytime someone buys a console, if they like fighting games, they're going to buy this game. Mm-hmm. So. It's not, like, crazy Danger Zone, but to put it all in context, like, it tanked on the PC, like, horribly. Mm-hmm. And then in the first week in Japan, it sold, like, 15,000 copies. Now, the cutoff, it only been on sale for, like, a couple days. So I assumed when we saw the second week sales, that's when you were going to see the huge rush for the game. And it sold better in the second week, or at least more, but after a week and a half almost two weeks of sales, it's at around 50K in Japan. That is crazy, man. Physical copies, oh my yeah. god. So I'm, I see, I, this is where... It you... was outsold this week in its second, not even really full second week of sales by Cayman Rider. Like Cayman Rider, Common, Rider. Common Cayman, whatever, sold 80,000 copies in its first week, mm. and Street Fighter V is at 50K... To be fair, Common Rider is a much older franchise. Oh, for I mean, it's been around for forever. Um, but still, it's Street Fighter in Japan, where fighting games still reign. Like, I'm shocked by this. Well, I, I think mainly, I mean, I don't think it's selling what Capcom hoped it would at all. I mean, even if you factor in digital. But to me, the, the, this mainly points out, like, we need a way to figure out how much these things sell digitally. Yeah. Because, like, I don't feel like we have any kind of, anything approaching the full picture. I mean, if it just sold, if it sold, like, Another fifty thousand on digital, like that's still horrifying. If it sold like five hundred thousand on digital, like that's totally different. Well, I mean, it's like with uh, Tomb Raider. Uh, the PC version on Steam sold three times what the console version did for Xbox One in the first like couple days or week mm-hmm. or whatever. Three times what well, it sold. Well, I mean, I know a lot of people uh, that were kind of going back and forth. P- PS4, PC for Street Fighter Five ended up going PS4. Because the PC was reportedly just not running smoothly enough yeah. at, the, at the beginning, and uh, I think they're fixing that. I think, but at the time of launch, you needed a really powerful PC to run that thing on ultra. And uh, while the PS4 isn't perfect, uh, it was more reliable. Um, so I don't know. I mean, my my main reaction to hearing all the Street Fighter sales news is like, show tell us what it sold digitally. Because right. like that's the only way we're getting a complete picture on this. And that's thing. what the MPD needs to do. Like the MPD needs to figure out. How to track digital sales. Like, mm-hmm. they're there. The numbers are there. They can get them. And, they, I mean, look, they charge tens of thousands of dollars a year to have access to their numbers. So, to me, it's like, if you're going to ask that much money for your numbers, your numbers need to be yeah. accurate. Because the can, bottom it, line is their numbers are not accurate. No, it's becoming increasingly inaccurate as time With every goes month. on. Yeah. And it's beginning to really remind me of the Nielsen rating system. Right. Yeah, I actually had, I had a conversation with uh, someone last week about this, about what it was like being on like a smaller cable network with Nielsen. And where mm-hmm. if like one of your dedicated watchers like went on vacation, like your ratings would drop by like a third because yep. they're only polling 5,000 people yeah. to figure out what TV people are watching. Like if you if you calculated like the ratings of G4 for most of its lifetime, that was three Nielsen boxes. 
Like yep. you said, if one of those people went on vacation, and it would happen, like someone would go on vacation for two it. weeks, and we'd see the ratings were two thirds what they normally were, and we're like, oh, somebody went to the Bahamas. And you then know, the funny like, thing is that, like, you know, the executives would be like breathing down your, like, your ratings dropped the third. It's like, yeah. Like yeah, di- our ratings went to Disneyland. <laughs> yeah. Dude, yeah, like Billy went on vacation, <laughs> bro. Like we can figure out who he is. We'll buy him something so he doesn't go on vacation. It's it's pointless. So I don't know. I mean, is this? It's a system made for a world in which there were three networks. Yeah, it and really this is. is a system made for a world. You know, NPD right now is a system made for a world where everybody bought discs. Yeah. So right. like, how are we supposed to get accurate info? I mean, not even us. Like we're just like. Two dudes talking about video games. Where it's like, right. what if you're like Michael Pactor or somebody, and you need to know that stuff for your job? Or if you're and, just a big investor and you're trying yeah. to invest in games, and you're how can you make smart data? decisions if you don't have a full picture? I'm surprised they haven't been more aggressive about this. It's just like we used to say with Nielsen: like somebody needs to come in and like change it, and then mm. everyone would subscribe to that. But it doesn't seem to be happening. No. Well, I think one of the problems in uh, with Nielsen is that. The, the capability is r- uh, there to track what every single person with cable watches. Yeah. Like, you can do that, but then every time they propose something like that, like, privacy concerns pop up. As though, like, I'm super concerned about what reality show everybody knows I'm watching, right? And, like, it, it means, like, meanwhile, like, you know, everybody just constantly tweets about what they're watching anyway. Yeah. So, so maybe you should follow Twitter, Nielsen. But, well, they um, also track, but, but this, I don't does think... track DVR stuff now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if you watch DVR within a day of recording it, that counts for its premiere rating. Yeah. And if you watch it within a week, it counts for, like, something else. But, like, with uh, the NPD, I don't think you have privacy concerns on that level. It seems like it should be an easier thing to solve, but I guess you have to actually go to the publishers and have them tell you what it sold. Right. And I guess they're not entirely willing to do that right now. And yeah. I wonder how much of that is tied in with whatever deals or relationships they have with brick and mortar retailers as yep. well. Like you don't want to reveal to, you know, if you have this big deal coming up at GameStop, it's like, yeah, we sell about the same amount digitally as we do physically and that's just going to keep going up and one day we're not going to need you. You know, it's yeah. it's I'm, I'm sure there's a big political game. Well, they've long not play. tracked Walmart sales, which, you know, you'd assume Walmart right. is one of the biggest retailers of Easily. games in the United States, no question. if not the biggest. So they've got to change something. I mean, there's too much on the line on these numbers. I mean, there are investors who make decisions based upon this stuff. That could be like billions of dollars of a Look, if you if you come out and you say Activision, Call of Duty bombed, or it sold 30% less than last year's Call of Duty or whatever, which could happen this year with Ghost 2 coming, a lot of people are going to sell their Activision stock on that news. And I mean, I mean, look at Apple. Apple has lost like 20-some billion dollars of the company's value over the last like month. And that's just from the stock going from like 116 down to 100 Mm-hmm. I mean, when you have that many people that own stock, I mean, it it, the, it adds up the mass. So something's got to change. They've got to do something with the MPDs. But I still don't think that the MPD is really the root problem with what's happening with Street Fighter. Like, no. I think rev- this may be a case where, like, reviews worked. Like, literally, people listened to the reviews and were like, I'll wait till yeah. it's up to scratch. I think, I think you've got a much stronger word-of-mouth uh, system happening with a game like Street Fighter because... You know, the, most people are going to buy that game to play with their friends, and so like you know, when usually, usually, and certainly I've seen this happen before. It was like you know, every group has kind of the one friend who's super plugged into the the game world, and they come out and they're like, oh, we're going to get Street Fighter, we're going to play Street Fighter, right? It's like, and, and you know, even I've been this guy sometimes. Where it's like, well, it's not really there yet. They haven't put the story mode. In, you know, 
don't buy it yet. Like, yeah. hang on. Like, wait, you know, wait, and we'll play it when it's finished, or like we'll play it when they patch it, or they'll play. It. You'll play it when someone comes out with a resolution fix for this thing, or what you know, for various. You know, that's happened over various games. So I wonder how much of this is word of mouth, saying like, just wait until later when they've sort of got this thing finished in yeah. June or whatever, yeah. and you can just jump in and, and play a game as it, you know, with all this, with all the features. Uh, Turning to coffee talk for a second there. With all the features <laughs> all in place, Matt, like they should be. <laughs> uh, so I think some. I think word of mouth is is hurting Street Fighter sales, uh, and probably rightly so. Yeah, and, it deserves you know, it. Outside of the competitive scene, I yeah. think if you wander into the casual world, unless you really seriously only just want to play versus mode against your friends, yeah, you're probably gonna want to wait. And yeah. see what they see what happens, and see if these updates that they're talking about in March and June really do come. Yep. All right, let's move on to the next thing we want to talk about in our intro today. Couple big delays. One that strikes particularly close <laughs> to my heart, Matt Kyle. I think I, think I called this one. Mass Effect Andromeda has been delayed out of this year. Was that my number two pick in our fantasy draft, or number there. three? Two or three. Yeah, I think I may have just lost the league with a big fat zero. Oh, I don't know about that. Crazy part, too, is my whole strategy with this draft this year was to make sure I picked games that I knew were going to come out. Like, I, Well, yeah, that's why I was shocked you picked that. Well, but I, I researched I, it before the draft, and like every financial report like the, for the prior four quarters, EA was like, oh, yeah, it's, we, we need it in 2016. It's coming in 2016, and like... There was, and they had actually had a financial report like the day before, like before the draft, and I was like, "I'm golden, like it's nah. set in stone." Something's wrong with that game. I don't know why it's taken five years to make the next Mass Effect, but something's up. Well, it's you know it's 1080p now, and assets have to be all. How many made months does and... the, do all the extra P's take? <laughs> uh, come on, like something's a month, up. A month per P. Something's up with that game. They haven't shown like details. We haven't seen gameplay of it. Well, we, we saw haven't... like some people have left there to go work at other studios mm-hmm. in the last couple months. So that's a little disconcerting. Um, and then on the flip side of that, Titanfall 2 is coming this year. Apparently See, so. The whole thing was it was flipped. Like Titanfall mm-hmm. was going to come early in the year, Mass Effect late this year, and now it's flipped. Yeah. Titanfall 2 is coming this year. Mass Effect actually will be coming out when all the other Mass Effects came out. It has always come early out Q1, yeah. Q1 of whatever year. But yeah, that's pretty devastating for my fantasy team. A big yeah. zero from one of my top picks. It's, it's a little disappointing for me, because if I'd known Titanfall was going to come out this year, I would have probably picked that. Yeah, I don't know if I would have, though. That seemed like it would be a dicey pick to me. Yeah. People liked Titanfall. The dicey pick but... is Battlefield. Oh, yeah. That's a really Titanfall nice is made by Respawn. Yeah. Yeah. It's a developer joke, people. Dice. Yeah. Dice makes Battlefield. <laughs> dicey pick. Come on. Ball. Eyeball. <laughs> uh, so... And mine like a steel trap full of mice. So that sucks. There's a... What... Could conceivably be a great Q4 game pushed out for this year. Although I don't think there'll favorite, be and then I can any get shortage two... of great Q4 games. No, but then it's, it's it's a little weird to me that you're releasing Battlefield and Titanfall in the same window there, which makes me wonder if that World War II right. thing, World War One thing, is accurate because that means yeah. like okay, so Titanfall two and Battlefield five have to be very very different. Games. It certainly lends credence to that yeah. story. Is, you oh, know, you want traversal and future shit? Like Titanfall 2. You know, like, yeah. If you want an old school shooter yeah. with well, an old school aesthetic with new school tech, then here's Battlefield. Mm-hmm. It's also interesting to see like that you know, they're kind of taking a Bethesda approach with Titanfall 2, if this is true. That like, 
what we're probably going to see for the first time at E3, and it's going to come out like six months later. So, Which is pretty much almost exactly, exactly what we saw what with, with Fallout. So, all right, let's move. Oh, uh, another delay we should talk about, and this is really making me nervous. Uncharted yeah, 4 was delayed by two weeks. Two weeks. And Naughty Dog says, oh, it's a manufacturing thing, which is total bullshit. But didn't these those guys just go back in for more motion capture? Yeah, they did motion capture pickups a couple weeks ago. It came out this week that the entire story was scrapped and redone when Amy Hennig left. Mm-hmm. And... Which had been hinted at before. Well, they said that, obviously, when she was forced out or whatever happened there, I don't really... I'm not going to pretend to know what happened with that, but... They were basically, you know, said, well, we're going to rework some stuff because they said they weren't completely happy with the way it was going. But then, like, yesterday, I think it was, they said, no, we scrapped the whole freaking thing and started over. Well, there were comments from Alan Tudyk, um, who had been uh, Wash from Firefly, uh, who had been uh, involved in the, um, uh, the Hennig version of the game. And then him and one other guy, another guy whose name I can't remember, like, they basically, like, when Hennig left... They're like, okay, we're going to rework some stuff. And they came back with like a new story, and basically, like, a couple, Tudyk and a, the other guy, a couple people were just like, yeah, we don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. And they walked away from it. Yeah. And he was not complimentary toward Naughty Dog at all. Like, it no, was, I remember that. It was, it was like, it was like a little surprising to me that someone would be so, like, it was, it was, the comment was something like, it was, it was something like, oh, you know, because I made some friends uh, during, you know, while we were working on it. And then he very quickly adds, I mean, not Naughty Dog friend. Like, yeah. It was just like, whoa, like, easy, bro. You know, it's like, just, well, here's the thing. They say, oh, it's a manufacturing issue. Well, look, if you were going to hit the delayed date before this one, you still have to manufacture the disc. So, right. no, it's not a manufacturing thing. It's like, you needed two more weeks to finish the game. Like, it's really weird for Naughty Dog to have announced what they said at the time were solid release dates like two or three different times and not be able to hit it's those It's unusual dates. for them, for sure. For most developers and publishers, yeah, it's very them. unusual. Like, usually a delay, like the first one, was like, it ended up, it was like four months or whatever, right. five months. That's I mean, that's usually, kind of expected. That's usually how delays work. It's yeah. like, if you need a delay, it's not for a couple weeks, like, it's usually for a few months. And then the second delay was a month, I think it was, and now we have this one, which is two weeks. So... It's not exactly inspiring confidence for no. me in, in the game. I mean, it might just be multiplayer related. It could be. It could be a server issue. Who knows? Like, it could be a bazillion different things. Mm. The bottom line is they didn't get the game done when they were supposed to after delaying it a couple times before that. You so think this is the last delay? It's got to be. Yeah. I mean, to only delay it two weeks. Yeah, but what if they're being overly optimistic? This could, this could be another E3 release. Last of Us came out the week of E3. I don't think so. I think they'll hit it this time. Or they wouldn't have just made it two weeks. They'd have just been like, you know what, screw it. Like, we're going to tack a couple months onto it just to make sure it's all good. Um, you know, there's there's financial stuff involved here. Mm -hmm. Sony has to hit numbers for their quarter. And, like, I mean, look, maybe the, with that in mind, it's June possible. June is still in the quarter. It is. Yeah, you're right. I don't know. It's disconcerting. I mean, we've never seen Naughty Dog really do something like this before, for one. Yeah. I mean, they've had stuff delayed pretty but heavily, not like but this. not like this sudden, like last minute, like whoa, hang on, just give us, yeah. a, give us a, give us fourteen days, and we'll give you the world. It's like, mm, yeah, that's weird. So we'll see. Uh, on a side note, um, open beta 
for multiplayer this weekend for Uncharted. Everybody can play. Uh, they did the closed one for the people who had purchased the Nathan Drake collection. Mm -hmm. uh, that was a couple months ago. Now there's an open one. Everyone's going to be able to play this weekend. Um, add me on PlayStation Network. I'm Dinfire. Uh, we'll get together and throw down in Uncharted. I've not been a big fan of Uncharted's multiplayer in the past. No, I find I find a multiplayer in that series kind of extraneous. Yeah, I play... Not what I wanted. Yeah, I play it a few days. I'll play it for review, mm -hmm. and after the review's done, I'll play it for a couple days after that, and usually that's when I put the bow on it and move on. So... I forget that they have multiplayer, frankly. Here's a question for you. Would you rather they ditch the multiplayer and have a bigger campaign? Not really. I think the campaigns are a good length for the most part. Yeah, because like they wear thin by the end. Yeah. Like By the time I get to the end of one of those campaigns, I'm like... Not another room with, yeah. like, 80 guys pouring into it. Like, I'm like, not in the, in the like, oh, stop wasting single-player resources on your multi, because that's not how it works anyway. Yeah. But, like, I don't, I don't want, like, oh, I wish they put all that time into making the single-player campaign bigger and longer. It's like, no, I don't need to collect 40 more, like, yeah. gold token items in, hidden under trees. And like, it's fine the way it is. I just don't care about the multiplayer. Yeah, I feel like the length of that campaign is pretty much perfect for... Same with Last of Us. I don't care about the multiplayer in Last of Us. Yeah. Like, I just don't... It's not a type a lot of people do though. Yeah, I'm just into I'm into the Naughty Dog stuff for the for the story and the environment and the characters and kind of the experience. The and tech. I just don't. Yeah, I just don't. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if somebody asked me what is the biggest draw for me for Naughty Dog games, it's the tech. Mm -hmm. Undoubtedly, for me, it's always tech. been the characters and the and the and the narrative. Um, but that was when Amy Hennig ran the place. Yeah, I would. So. That would be second for me. Would be right behind. Right behind but honestly, like I look at their games as like. The ultimate tech demo. What is this kit of hardware capable of? Mm. Show me, Naughty Dog. And Show do. me, and no one will ever achieve anything close to that. <laughs> no one else, yeah. You. Until we get to play your next I game. I mean, the, the order uh, wasn't bad in that regard, in terms of, yeah. like, wow, look what the hardware can do if you really, you know, if you push hard and dig into it. And, and letterbox everything. Yeah. <laughs> and use the same boss fight three times. Yeah. But, so, uh, I don't know. We'll see. Um, at least we'll get a good taste of it this weekend. Matt, will you be playing? Uh, Uncharted? Yeah. This weekend. Probably not. Yeah. I don't care about the multiplayer. I just don't. I'll be there if you want someone to play. I with had the Nathan Drake collection. I didn't play the, the, the last one either. I just, yeah. that's not what I'm here for. All right. Let's move on to the last topic of our extended intro for today's episode. Vive sales. 15K in 10 minutes. 15K in 10 minutes. Do that a hundred more times and you almost have a platform someone would make a game for. Yeah. They're, I mean, look, they haven't given any other... No more stats off that? It's just like 15,000 rich boys? Like, they, Well, I think they and... said that was their launch allotment? That's what they're saying. They're mm. like, we sold out our launch allotment in 10 minutes and mm. that was 15K units. Hmm. Just for comparison's sake, folks, um, the Sega Saturn sold 200,000 units in the first day. And we know how that went. We know how that turned out. <laughs> um, there, is a, there is a long haul to go on that thing if it's going to yeah. be a viable... But, I mean, Valve might just force it to be viable for a while, but I don't know how long you can sustain that. I don't believe... First of all, I don't believe that 15,000 units was their whole launch allocation. That's shockingly small. That's not even enough for evangelists to go out and evangelize your product. I wouldn't think so, no. You need, I mean, you need like 100K at least, man, to really get an units out there. At least, I would say there. at least like 50K. I mean, because like, you can sell 15,000 of anything high-tech like that, like off the bat. If it's, if it's hyped enough and if it's not some crazy amount of money, like, 
you can you know, 15k is a pretty low target. It's really low. That's what I'm saying. Like when you get that launch allotment put together, and look, when you decide your launch day, one of the factors that goes into it is how many units will we have? Mm -hmm. Because what you need to do is be strategic about okay, we have X amount of units. What chances do we have with that many units of a lot of our potential consumers being exposed to it? Because that's what you want. You mm -hmm. want people like you or I to buy it, and then all our gamer friends or even non-gamer friends to come over and hang out and see it. Mm -hmm. And for me, I mean, even just in America, I feel like you need at least 100,000 units out there for you to have the opportunity for people to try this thing with their friends and potentially be evangelized so that they mm. then buy that system. 15 grand isn't squat. No. I mean, like 15K, I mean, that's like a highly limited Ferrari. Right. You know? Yeah. Which, like, we live in LA, LA and you never see them. And I've never seen no. one. So, <laughs> like, ever. So, the odds of knowing someone who has a Vi, I don't know anyone who ordered one. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there are some people on Sifted that have bought them, but I think that they're probably rich. But, yeah. uh. Hey, I, I can afford a Vi. Yeah. I just don't. You know, I don't like to throw money away, and yeah. so I'm going to sit and wait and see if this becomes a viable platform. Yeah. And I don't think I'm the only one. You're definitely not the only one. Yeah. Um, and then, like, that's not even including, you know, there's a lot of people who, like, maybe they like a vibe, but there's no way in hell they can spend $800 on it. Yeah. So I think they're, you know, that's it, this is an uphill battle for all the VR, uh, you know, head-mounted displays, but Vive in particular uh, especially because you know it requires like drilling and shit. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like, it's, a, it's a commitment to. This well, you thing. can look. You can put the sensors on like light stands or whatever. Yeah, but it's and... not really the recommended way. Yeah, yeah. It. I mean, if you want it to work the way it's really supposed to, you need to mount it on your ceiling, basically yeah. above head level is what they're saying it has to be at least. Mm -hmm. So, which makes sense. So I would say, man, VR is shaping up to be the rich boy's toy. I mean, I've said it before on the show, but it mm. like as time goes on, it just becomes more and more apparent that it's going to be this elitist. Thing that rich people have mm. and most rank and file gamers don't, which just again leads me to think that you know PlayStation VR might be the ticket. Might be, and again, um, that's how all this stuff starts. You know, like at, at a certain point, DVD players were just rich boys' toys, and yeah. eventually they became you know the PS2 or Sony again. The PS2 yeah. made it everyone's. Yeah, you know, like that's what it takes. It's, it takes you know maybe maybe not even the best. Hardware, although every once in a while, I mean, look, the PS3 is still one of the best Blu-ray players on the market, even yeah. all these years later. For sure. Um, but, like, you know, eventually you're going to get there, and like I said, I think kind of the Dave & Buster style VR center, like kind of game center places are going to be where most people experience VR for the first time. And if I were, you know, Oculus and Vive, I'd be, getting I'd be them. working hard to get and getting my stuff in those. I'd be building things. like VR rooms yeah. at Dave and Buster's, all at my expense. Yeah. Be like, look, you make all the money off of this. We just want to plant these in all mm. your locations so people can experience it and then want to buy it. Get it themselves. on people's faces and make them want that at home. Yeah. That's all you got to do. I mean, it's not all. I mean, all you got to do. It's not. It's a huge order. That's, That's a, a lot. Huge <laughs> task. Yeah. But like that is the goal. I would think right now is to is to make people understand and experience what they are missing. Yeah. Which at this point may not be a whole lot. There no. are a lot of great games coming for. Uh, VR right like now. Like I said, we no might killer app we yet. might really be looking at kind of the Atari Twenty Six Hundred ColecoVision and Intellivision equivalents. You know, like the the explosion might be many many years from now. Yeah. You know, because it took it took the advent of three D. It took the advent of, of you know you know cheaper hardware that could emulate what you saw in the arcade effectively at home to really make it explode. 
Yeah, you're right. So, and there's going to be something. You know, we need. You know, the VR needs its uh, its Super Mario Brothers. It needs its Mario sixty four. It needs its Ocarina of Time to kind of you know codify the language of how this new form of gaming is going to work because that takes time and innovation and genius. Yep. And it'll come, but who knows when. All right, we got to move on. We have six big topics to get to. I think we just spent about a half an hour just doing the intro of the show, so... Well, we like to hear ourselves <laughs> talk, so... It's like I said, there was lots of small topics we wanted to get to, but right now, let's get to the big six. So, Matt, mm-hmm. this week, something happened in the industry that I have personally been talking about a long time in podcasts, shows that I've been on. We talked about it last week? Kind of, yeah. A little bit. Yeah. So, Phil Spencer, the head of Xbox, they had a spring showcase event up in the Bay Area, and afterwards, people were able to interview him. But during his presentation, he kind of mentioned that, you know, we may be able to just upgrade the Xbox One. Mm -hmm. And instead of releasing another console, just boost the power of the unit everybody has right now. It's like a, it's like a thing. It's like a thing I've heard. It's like a, what is that word? What is that? Uh, PC. That's what yeah. that is. That's a, it's a PC. It really is. Or a Sega Genesis. Yeah. Or <laughs> as you're seeing right now, an N64 with yeah. the DD. Or the GameCube with the Game Boy Player. Or the N64. Actually, the thing that first came to mind was actually the uh, N64 with the expansion. Pack. The RAM expansion. Yep. Um, so here's my idea for this. People are, I mean, first of all, so here's the thing. I went and watched some disassembly videos of Xbox One as research for this episode. Hmm. <laughs> and there's no room inside that box no. at all. It is completely jam-packed. I don't know if you've ever seen the fan on the inside of that thing. Oh, they were taking no chances with the red light of doom on the this one. The fan on the inside of the Xbox One is that big. It's huge. It is huge. They were not fucking around with the heat problem again. The inside of that box is completely stuffed with stuff. There is no way... First of all, it's not built to be modular. There's no place to snap anything into it. Like, Basically, what we're looking at here is something connected by via USB 3. Like, I don't even know how they would do it, Matt. I don't know. My idea. I think they would release like whatever instead of like whatever we would consider the slim release of of, of it, it would be the expansion version, the expandable, like version. expandable version of the Xbox One. That would be what, I, and so we'd have to like get another one, which would really really suck. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think in the end, what it would be is like when they finally decide to bring out like the big expansion to kind of take it to the next level. If I'm going to use the Genesis terminology, still, um, there would probably be like a pack. That is like a whole new console that includes the upgrade that we would buy because we already have an Xbox One. Yeah. But you're still splitting the user base. So my idea is for to make this work, and I don't know if it would work with this generation, but if they decided to do this for next generation, is create a console with modules that you snap into it. So when you buy the base model, you know, when it first comes out, you buy the launch unit or whatever, you get like whatever processor, RAM. Mm-hmm. And whatever else they want to put into it. But they're like these plastic pieces that snap together to create the console. And then, a couple years later, they put out a new module. And maybe they sell it in like 20 different colors or whatever. But it's got more RAM in it, a new processor in it. And you just snap out the old unit that has the old processor and RAM in it. And you take the new one and just snap it right into that port. 
and it gives you the ability to kind of customize the colors. So everyone can have different colored like parts of their consoles. I think it would be a brilliant idea, and it's it, it's a way to like consoleize the PC. Mm-hmm. So the you know the the modules are fit the form factor of the machine. Just like it's, take the the PC upgrade idea and make it idiot proof. Right. So you just snap it in. It mm-hmm. just snaps right into some on a port, just like you know with the GameCube. It had an EXT port on the bottom that you mm-hmm. conceivably could have done something like this with. <laughs> Unfortunately, it only worked for the Game Boy Player, but but I think that's the way that you could do it, and you could sell it as like so you sell the launch unit. And then you can call like V1 upgrade, V2 upgrade, V, and it just keeps going up. And maybe you color code them. So when you see someone's console, you're like, oh man, you got the V3, shit. Like oh, you got the pink one. I only got the V2, right? <laughs> so I think there would there's a way to do it to make it so it's not that confusing for consumers. It would also be kind of cool. There would also be like leet status to it, which always gets people to buy stuff. Like mm-hmm. I think it could work. Now the question is, do you have a problem with this, Matt? Would you be cool if they did this? I, I think I would probably ignore it. Yeah? Because, like... You would never buy an upgrade for your console? Well, no, I don't know if I'd buy that console. Because, like, the, his statement today... His statement on that basically kind of rem- reminded me of when I said last week that, like, you know, increasingly I'm wondering why I have an Xbox One when I have a game-capable PC. Right. And if they went that way with it, that would just be that nail in that coffin for me. It's just like, well, I don't need an Xbox anymore. Really? Not unless they had something really compelling for me to play only on the Xbox. And so far in the last year, the only two things that were that... I mean, I don't know if I'd call it really compelling, but the two things I wanted to play that were exclusive were uh, um, uh, Halo 5 and Rare Replay. And uh, you know now you know, Quantum Break would have made it into that, but now you can play Quantum Break on PC and Gears of War. And you know it's like, if they're moving away from the idea that these games are going to be only on Xbox... Which they are already. I mean, which they definitely are. Yeah. Like, I'm, I question, you know, they're going to have to show me a real reason for me to have an Xbox in the house next to my gaming PC. Because at least the PlayStation, I know there's Uncharted and there's all these other things. That, you know, Nintendo has all their own stuff. But, like, Xbox is increasingly becoming redundant to a, to a PC to me. I'd agree. Yeah, my Xbox One, it's like... I think what you're saying is a cool idea. It's just not for me. Yeah, like, I think it'd be for a lot of people. I think it would be a successful idea. I think it'd be, there's a lot I mean, of people what, out there. I mean, there let's just forget, that forget about Microsoft that. and the whole how the lines are blurring between mm-hmm. Xbox One and PC now. What if Sony did this? Like, would you be behind it? Yeah, probably. I mean, it would solve a lot of problems if with the whole like, oh, they because I think both consoles release too early. I because here's the thing: a lot of people they in, could use some upgrades. The issues that we've had in the past, and look, you guys are looking at like 64 DD footage right now, and 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 the uh, N64 expansion pack. The problem with those is that it splits your user base a lot of times. So you have like the haves and the have-nots. It's kind of happening with the 3DS right now, like where you have like the new 3DS XL, where there's a handful of games that can only only play on the new model, or like two. Right. Yeah. Maybe not even a handful. Not even five. I think it's just Xenoblade and like one or two other. Th- I mean, they there's haven't few, done that yeah, at all. There's not many. So that's the fear, right? Is that you're you're splitting your user base, and I th- saw some comments on Sifted about that too, but. You're not, though, because you're in that PC model where no matter which version of the console you have, even if you have the launch yeah. edition... You can still run the you game. You can still run the game. It doesn't look as good right. as the V2 version that maybe I had, 
but it still plays, and it becomes a PC where you can adjust, and we're starting to see this with games now. You basically now. choose your experience. Right, where you can choose the resolution you display it at, your frame rate. I mean, look, you don't have to be a genius to know how to use this right. stuff. Like, And I think you are hitting the point where everybody's dealt with these games long enough that I think your average consumer is ready for that kind of idea. Well, look, the core people already are upgrading their hard drives. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, there's official videos from Sony and Microsoft that show you how to do it, so... I think it's headed that way already. Why not just mm-hmm. go all the well, way? Well, it makes more sense than being locked into, you know, a snapshot of what hardware looks like on that affordable level two years before you even launch the system, you know? Yeah. Like, you're, you know, it, it solves the problem of, of the consoles being so hopelessly behind the PCs, and it would partially solve the problem of PC games having to kind of scale it back to make sure they still run on a console. Here's the other angle, too, is because Microsoft or Sony would buy so many of these parts, you could conceivably get PC performance for a much lower price. Because just, just they for could, scale of, of production, right, yeah. Because they could work out deals with these manufacturers so that they end up getting, like, GTX 980 quality card for a much lower price mm-hmm. than what you would pay for a GTX 980. Yeah, they get these various manufacturers to be able to plaster their logo all over them. Right. And like just have the logo displayed on the outside of your box once you've installed it. I mean, look, consoles have already done that. Yeah. The GameCube had ATI's logo on it. So yeah. that's nothing new. Dreamcast was powered by Windows CE. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it had like the Windows CE thing yeah. on it. And I think that's the other thing, too, that, that the industry is getting away from. It's getting away from having proprietary GPUs and CPUs. Now, we'll talk about the NX here in the next topic. Mm-hmm. Nintendo has traditionally still kind of like done, you know, had custom mm-hmm. processors and things like that in its machines. Sony and Microsoft are like, screw that. Like, we really moved away from it. Well, Sony learned yeah. a really hard the lesson cell with the cell was, processor. Uh, like. Yeah. A really hard lesson. That was just the kick in the dick and the balls they needed to kind of move away from that weird... I mean, partly it was just Kudaragi being strange, but... Yeah. But that's the other angle of this, too, is that it makes porting games much easier between platforms. If everyone's using x86 or whatever... that's the key. It's like you need... Like, you just need all... You know, that's the, the key is, I think, what all three manufacturers should want, is, like, you want your system to be a viable-only console option. Yeah. Like, if I buy your console, I shouldn't be missing out on any multi-platform stuff. That's yeah. been Nintendo's biggest problem. It really has, yeah. And right now, it's becoming a problem for Xbox because people are defaulting to the PlayStation 4 version of things so often. Yeah. And I can see why, because, like, I played the beta of The Division on Xbox One and on PlayStation 4 because, for some reason, the Xbox One ver- beta was available first when yeah. I went... So I played that for a while, and then I went and switched to play the PlayStation 4 version after that download, like a day or two later. And I'm telling you, man, night and day. Really? Like, the PS4 version was so much sharper. Wow. And, like, it was, like, the... Because I thought it was a little muddy on the Xbox One. I'm like, oh, it's hard to see, like, read some stuff, and da, da, da. And then I played it on the on the PS4. Just, just... Wow. I mean, I don't know if it's, like, a resolution change. or I, I'm, I don't... I wasn't... I didn't digital foundry it, you know, side yeah, by yeah. side or anything. But like playing the PS4 version was like, it was like another, another world. It was it was it was like wow, this is much sharper and much brighter. Like the lighting was better. I mean, it was just a better experience overall. And I was like, I, I like just look, man. I was the biggest 360 advocate you could imagine last generation. Yeah. But uh, you know, as as any I think you know really true gamer will go will say. 
I go where the experience is the best. Yeah. I don't care what logos on the I box. I don't care either. You know, so have, like yeah. now PS4 is is you know for the consoles, PS4 is where it's at for me. Yeah. Um, and look, Sony's kind of doing a little bit of this because you know PlayStation VR comes with that extra little mini console that comes with it. Mm-hmm. So you have like this other little, little booster box. Kind yeah, of thing. I mean that's kind of upgrading yeah. it. I mean it's giving PlayStation 4 capabilities that it doesn't have on its own. Mm-hmm. So. Sony's already kind of stepping in that direction a little bit, and I wouldn't even be surprised if the slim version of the PlayStation 4 ends up having that extra little mini console built into it so that PlayStation VR just works right out of the box with the PlayStation 4. So I think we're already seeing steps towards it. Um, You know, a lot of people were shocked by the stuff that Phil Spencer said. I wasn't really shocked at all, and in all honesty, it's probably the smartest thing for Microsoft to do. Um, At first when I heard it, I was like, oh, that makes sense of why... Xbox One is so generic looking and mm. it's just basically a rectangle because if, you, if you're creating something that needs to stand the test of time, making it as simple as possible is almost always the right decision. Mm-hmm. And so I started thinking about it. I'm like, well, maybe that explains the form factor. Then I went and watched videos of somebody taking apart an Xbox One. I was like, nope. That's no, the form, <laughs> that wasn't it at all. The form factor was because of a giant cooling system and the desire for it to look like a DVR. I mean, it really does just look like a cable box. Yeah, because or an that's old what it was supposed VCR. to be. That's yeah. what they designed it. They, they, they was, it was them jumping. I think they handed that off to a team that was not video game centric. They were like, they were trying to make the set, the long-awaited set-top box. Yeah. And they made a TV box that didn't quite do what they. I mean, putting the slower RAM in there was a bad call. It really was a bad call. That was the worst place they could have cut corners on that machine. So. Yeah. Then it's the whole connected. And it would be great if I could take that RAM out and put faster RAM in it. Yeah. Like that would slow down. Even if it was even if I had to buy it from Microsoft and it was this Mm -hmm. officially licensed thing that just snapped right into the back of the console. The only thing I would worry about on in in terms of like that modular idea is uh, we all saw what Microsoft was charging for like the Xbox three sixty hard drives. Yeah. Which was like literally like hundreds of percent more than you could buy it for like a normal computer yeah so as long as there's not that proprietary like massive markup crazy thing going on like that'd be behind but but if you're gonna sit there and like try to sell me a 250 gigabyte hard drive for 150 bucks like forget it like that's not gonna fly yeah i mean you you, it would be interesting to to think too if they would open it up so third parties could create their stuff i mean can they stop them from doing it i mean I i remember seeing a third party game boy player if i remember correctly i don't think there was ever one. I don't think so. Well, I think the other thing is like because these things are inevitably going to be online, you can always just find out yeah. what someone has plugged. It's like, oh, you're not using Microsoft, you know, approved RAM. We're shutting you down. Yeah. You know, and then it, look, if you start looking farther on down the road, and you're like, okay, well, I, you're a studio, and you're like, I want to build a game that can't run on the base configuration of Xbox Two mm-hmm. or whatever it is. That gets a little dicey. Yeah, but then you end up in like Donkey Kong 64 situation where, right. the, where the game comes with the upgrade you need to run it properly. Yeah, but these but upgrades then that's still going to boost. These the, upgrades don't cost 20 bucks. These upgrades are going to cost more than that if you're talking about mm-hmm. a new GPU and more RAM and stuff like that. So, well, in that case, I'd say the developer is just wa- wandering outside of the parameters of the hardware yeah, yeah. they're working. And look, I mean, the base model for a console like this probably is still going to last you the good five to seven years, mm-hmm. and then probably at that seven-year mark you finally start putting out games that just simply won't run at all on that base configuration and then mm-hmm. kind of semi-force people 
to upgrade because I mean, look, yeah, you kind of create a new, a next gen sort of in a really fuzzy way. Yeah. In that regard. I mean, look, these these platform holders are not making money off hardware. I mean, mm-hmm. the profit margins are slim or they're they're losing money. Yeah. So, you know, they don't care if they don't create another console. They just want mm-hmm. to make sure that people keep buying software. So, <coughs> they need to create keep creating more unique, compelling experiences so people keep buying the software. And if, mm-hmm. you know, every five or seven years you release this new module that snaps into your console and creates the Xbox 3 or whatever, I think a lot of people mm-hmm. would be okay with that. Yeah, well also, I don't think the Donkey Kong 64 model is all that prohibitive in this sense because on one hand, you know, yeah, they, they drove the price up a little bit for that, but it still did include this thing that was like, you know, gave you much better performance in that regard. Perfect the, Dark was another Perfect game, Dark yeah. took it, uh, Rogue Squadron, the whole thing. But like, yeah. but the, the key to it in your model is, it's not, you know, because the thing about the, the N64 expansion pack was, it uh, supported certain games, but your model, it would make all your games better. Right, yeah. So, like, yeah, you're paying maybe an extra 25 bucks for this game that includes this upgrade, but at everything you have and everything you're going to buy in the future is going to be better for you. Yeah, even make sure old games look better. Yeah. yeah. That's a I think that's a selling point that you could, you know, maneuver around the higher cost. Yep. Put out those officially created comparison videos and watch the money roll yeah. in. <laughs> By then maybe we'll have like maybe we'll be able to like put like animated gifs on like special packaging types and you just <laughs> like little videos will run on yeah, the packaging. Yeah. I, look, if that's the future, I'm totally cool with it. I think it would be a great idea. I think it would. I think people would inspire confidence in people buying multiple consoles as well instead of just getting one and like sticking with it. I think it would be good for the industry as a whole. Um, I don't know how else they would do it, Matt. To be honest with you, I mean, are they really going to ask you to like take your console apart and go and buy like a RAM stick at like hmm. Fry's and then come back and like. Make sure you don't get your staticky hands on it, and you've got like a static guard while you do it, and a rubber mat to your st- like. They might. They are Microsoft. <laughs> That's insane, though. Um, but in that case, it just means that you're waiting for an Apple to come along and make it work. It needs to be idiot-proof. Yeah, you may. You need the design to be there. You know, the tech yeah. is there already. We know that. Yeah. But you know, I just put together a PC a year ago, and I wouldn't wish that on someone who just wanted to play Halo. You and know, it's a lot easier than it used to be. Oh, it is. I mean, the motherboards now are kind of like that. Like, everything just kind of snaps coding, together. You know, the, the, you know, there's only a couple things I had to look up, yeah. um, but it's a lot less arcane than, you know, everything used to have no label on it. Right. It used to be it's like, you just have to know what that plug is. Yeah. You know? Now everything's labeled. But uh, I still wouldn't throw it at someone who just wants to pay, play Halo Six. Oh, I would know. I wouldn't let my mom try to build a PC. No. I'll put it to you that way. But, but yeah, it's become a lot easier than it used to be for sure. Like everything's just kind of. It does kind of just snap together now when you build yeah. a PC. Everything's kind of universal, and you know. But we're talking is. about like play schools. My first PC, yeah. kind of. Yeah, thing, pretty you know? much. Like it's idiot proof. Like either you get it in right, or it doesn't go it doesn't in. Go in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so. The future is going to be interesting, man. Like mm-hmm. with video games, like you know, between this and the whole digital thing, and brick and mortar kind of going away, and it's it's an awesome time to be in games, man. Just yeah. to see all this progression. Because I mean, if we think about it, it really was stuck in the same model for the whole time. Long, long time. I mean, since the beginning, it has been the same. As and every it is. every attempt to break out of that, which was usually pioneered by Sega, yeah, um, failed miserably. Usually, it did, yeah. Um, because you know, and I think it, that's the stigma that will be hardest to get over in terms of trying to implement this new model, which is why I think something like your idea 
done with just you know design sensibilities that really make it feel like something cool and new and yeah. easy and functional is important because when you say that line, the only thing a lot of people think of is the 32x. Yeah. Which is, I mean, I even saw on Sifted one of the one of the images for one of the stories about this yeah. was an Xbox One with a 32x Photoshop. Yeah, in the it was. And yeah. It's just like. It's like, yeah, that is not, it's not what you want people to think of when you think, they think of your product. Well, when we put together B-roll for this segment, we, put to get, we got a commercial of uh, the 32X in there. Oh, so. look, at the, look at the DD drives. That's adorable. Well, those are the discs, actually, yeah. the rewritable the discs. discs. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. It's because, like, remember when things run discs? Oh, yeah, and carts. Floppy discs. No, this is like a cart and a floppy disk all in one system and a crappy two-button mouse. Look at that. It's insane, dude. That is gross. Never came out in the States, only in Japan, <laughs> no. as RandNet. You couldn't even buy them in the stores. You had to subscribe to this weird service to get it. Yeah. So. And originally, Ocarina of Time was going to be like the launch thing for that. Well, yeah, there was like... You uh, imagine having to buy that to play Zelda? Well, there was like Zelda Gaiden. They created like that remix of Ocarina yeah. of Time that was going to release That's where that comes it. from. Yeah. So, anyway, we're getting off on a tangent here. I, I'm excited for the future. If this is what the future brings, I'd be totally cool with it, totally fine with it. I would love to be able to buy one piece of hardware and know it was going to last me for 10 or 15 years or a lot longer. I mean, the mm -hmm. only, only reason you would need to replace it is if, like, there's some crazy new technology uh, for motherboards or something yeah. that comes along. Like, otherwise... Which is probably impossible, but then, like, even then... I guess the USB 9 or whatever. Yeah. But even then, you might be able to find a way to, to you know, uh, use adapters for that. I mean, it's, yeah. it's an interesting prospect, and it really sort of would take the wind out of the system wars issue because, yeah, you know, like, okay, you, you picked... It, it, it would become more of an NVIDIA AMD thing, I guess. Because yeah. you know, I would guess that one company, you know, Sony and Microsoft, one would get NVIDIA, one would get AMD. That uh, or, the, you know, there's a bidding war, too, between AMD and NVIDIA to deliver the GPU for these mm -hmm. at the lowest price possible. When you get that bidding war going, the price comes down. It's good for us, ultimately, as consumers. So. Yeah, but then somebody's stuck with AMD drivers. Yeah. <laughs> AMD's coming back. Mm -hmm. I, have, I have a feeling. I think that they're... Uh, again. They're not giving up. Yeah. I, I, think... can't, I can't wait to see how they blow their lead again this time. <laughs> Well, they're doing good in processors, but in GPUs, they're getting their butts kicked. Yeah. But I think they'll come back in GPU as well. There's too many smart people They always there. do. Yeah. But then they do something incredibly stupid, and yeah. NVIDIA takes it back. Yeah, which and is where we're at right now, basically. Yeah. So, so waiting, waiting for the cycle to repeat itself. Yes, we'll see. War never changes. All right, let's move on to the next topic. Another episode of Game Face, another Nintendo NX rumors topic. Mm. They just keep coming. They're down like the rain Please mat. show this system so we can stop talking about rumory things yeah that would be great um so here's the next set of rumors this one isn't there, isn't there a direct tomorrow there oh there is a nintendo direct tomorrow actually if you're watching this on sifted it's today mm. at like 5 p.m yeah. i think it is yeah is that eastern or pacific mm. i think it's eastern yeah Anyway, it'll be on Sifted. If you're watching this right now, just go to the homepage. It'll be there. You can watch it. I hope they announce Super Nintendo Virtual Console for the 3DS. That's the rumor that's, the that's rumor. swirling around right now. Because it was, actually it was just this past weekend. I was like, I'm going to get some Super Nintendo games on my 3DS now that I'm on the road. I'm like, where are the Super Nintendo? There aren't any Super Nintendo games. No, huh? Why can't I play Link to the Past on my 3DS? Yeah, it really is silly. What? Why? It makes no sense. No, no, no. <laughs> So anyway, the rumors are about NX and not about the 3DS per se, although that probably is coming in the Direct tomorrow, along with uh, a preview of Nintendo's games leading up to summer. 
Hopefully we see a vastly improved Star Fox Zero. At least that's my hope. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get to these NX rumors. Um, this is another set of rumors where the person who is breaking the information has been on the money many times before on a variety of different topics. So this person seemingly does have a source somewhere who is feeding him information on a variety of different platforms. It's not just Nintendo as well. He's, hmm. he's broken stories of, about another a number of other platforms. So we'll just go right down the list here. The first one, the NX has power equal to Xbox One. Matt, is that good enough? Mm. <laughs> I don't think so. I wouldn't think so. I for mean, a console that's coming out... For a console that, like, everybody... Three years later. Three years later, and also, like, the main thing people complain about with the Xbox One is it's not powerful enough. Yeah. So, like, why would you why would you settle for that? I mean, I know you settle for that because you're Nintendo, you want to settle for as low, low a cost as you, as you can, because at this point, you know, this is everybody's second console. Like, you're, you're not anyone's primary console at this point. Not launching of, three years yeah. into the cycle. So, but, like... I don't know. I hope at least they have faster RAM than the Xbox One um, so they can you know, make it a snappier experience. Yeah. Um, I, I think it needs to be at least as powerful as PlayStation 4, and really it needs to be more powerful than PlayStation 4. It'd be nice to have, because I think that two, both consoles are underpowered. It'd be nice to have, like, because like, there's like kind of where you win the enthusiast crowd like us over, where it's like, it's a little more powerful than PlayStation 4, and it's like, Oh yeah, that multi-platform game. It's 1080p, 60 frames per second on the on the locked, NX. locked yeah. on the on the NX. It's not on the others. So you can sell it for 900p on the PS4 if you want, or you can play it in full resolution on the on the Nintendo system. It's like that. W- I mean, I'm I'm gonna say straight up, I would buy the Nintendo system for that. It needs to be clear, in my opinion, needs to be clearly more powerful than both the machines. Like it can't even be like GameCube and Xbox, where mm-hmm. some games you could say, okay, Xbox maybe is more powerful. And then other games, like you see Metroid Prime, and you're like, oh, no, 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 GameCube's mm-hmm. definitely more powerful. Like, it needs to be definitive that it's more powerful than the other two. Like, the average person needs to be able to look at it and be like, yeah, I can see that. So, that's the first thing I would say to the first part mm-hmm. of the rumors. The second did one... Did you ever think that was going to happen, though? I don't think it's going to happen. But did you ever? Like, did you ever think Nintendo would actually take that tactic? No. I mean, the last Me time they did it was the N64, <laughs> really. yeah. And that was really more kind of a coincidence. Yeah, like, like that was just the way they went with their hardware. Well, 3D the, technology was so new yeah. back then. Everybody had their own 3D even, idea. Right, I don't think people... Yeah, it was like, it's kind of like VR right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everyone kind of had their own spin Well, yeah, I mean, look, look at, uh, you know, the N64 versus the PS1 versus the Saturn. It's like, those are three totally different ways of coming at the 3D idea. It is, totally, yeah. So, I don't know. I don't have faith that they'll put out a console more powerful than the PlayStation 4, but I think that they need to. Uh, second, so the system has an HDMI dongle. I love saying that word. Dongle. Dongle. <laughs> so basically, you can just bring it home, take the HDMI dongle, plug it into your TV or your receiver or whatever, and instantly it's on your television. So that's the whole handheld console hybrid thing. Where's the power? I don't know. Still have a power cord? They didn't say anything about it about like, that. Or like, can I still just plug it in with a regular HDMI cable if I don't want one more wireless thing to be interfered with while I'm trying to play a game? Well, they're saying it's like uh, it also is going to have advanced streaming technology similar to the Wii U, like the Wii U on crack. I guess is the best way to put it. 
Mm-hmm. It's streaming technology is supposed to be better than what the Wii U had, which the Wii U streaming is pretty freaking incredible. If you ask me, it's already like hard to notice like any delay between like what's really happening and it getting streamed out to your gamepad. Look, there's we don't have all the facts yet. This mm-hmm. is just like the bullet pointed list. That I this just guy... don't see why that's like a thing you'd even waste time on. Like why? What's what's the what does that tie into? What's that? How does that factor into what they? their overall vision for the system is. Because it has to be something. Because there's no reason to put that in there unless you're, you're after something larger. Yeah, I mean, I don't get what the dongle is. As no. long as it just has an HDMI port on it, that's all you need. Yeah. So what's the... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. It was just one of the things that they mentioned. Maybe somebody in chat has a clear idea of what they were saying in that. But I read five or six different stories on this, and I didn't see anybody... Make have any clarification on it at all. So basically, they just said there's an HDMI dongle you can plug into the system that will let you plug it into an HDMI port in your mm-hmm. TV or whatever, and so you can display it on the TV. And that was the whole console handheld hybrid thing. I don't know. Well, I hope there's more to that story than just that. Well, I mean, I think you can also assume by that that this is also kind of a tablet system that the mm-hmm. system has a screen on it. So, and if you looked at some of those patent filings that Nintendo made. That's exactly what it was. It was a mm-hmm. system with a screen built into it. A weird kind of screen, though. Just make a video game system, Nintendo. <laughs> Just a video game console. I don't Just know if that's ever going to happen again, console. Matt. I don't know if that'll happen ever yeah, again. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, next bullet point. Haptic analog sticks. So, if your character runs into a wall, the sticks will physically push back to let you know that you've bumped into something. That'll be annoying after about. Yeah, 10 is that minutes. something that you're interested no, in? No, me I either. Don't care I have no interest in that at all. all. I, 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 it's like the um, many 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 years ago, five six year ago, <laughs> uh, I had to cover E for all. If anyone yeah. remembers what that was. That was the E3 in November you could go to that no one went to. Yeah, no and, one um, went to. But we had to go, uh, the main reason we were going was to cover uh, the Immersion Vest, which was like this like... Oh, I have one. Yeah, it was like I this have vet. one. You have one of those? They gave me one, wow. yeah. So we went and like we had to do the, the, the segment. It was me and Blair Herder. We did the segment on it. And I wore it and played with it. It was cool. It's like this vest you put on, and basically it punches you in the chest when you get shot. Yeah. Like that's the. the it's got like, various places you can. Yeah, get Yeah, like it is like location specific yeah. and everything. It's location specific if the game supports it, and like it's legit. Like it really works. Like if you know, yeah. it feels like you know you're getting tagged by something. But I'm like, this is cool. Take it off me. Like it's, yeah. it's like it's like, you know, I'm not gonna play a 70 hour game. Like I'm, I'm with this thing on. Like yeah. it supports Skyrim or whatever. I'm just like, I'm not gonna play Skyrim with this on. What are you t- like? I'm not going to suit up before I play a video game and, like, suit up specifically so it can hurt me. Like, that doesn't make any sense. I think I may make an exception for when VR finally gets to the point where people have pressure suits. Like, Oh, I mean, like, that is makes more sense because you're yeah. trying for a full-body thing. But I'm just like, I don't know, man. When I'm just, it was also really heavy. Right. It was vest, very heavy. Yeah. It, was, it, was like, it was, like, almost 20 pounds. Yeah. Or it, was, it, was, it was literally like wearing combat gear. It was, like, but, like... It was like a bulletproof vest. Yeah. Yeah, it was a That's bulletproof really vest like. that shot you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, for like VR, that makes more sense to me because you're going for a full body ex- like immersion experience. Whereas yeah. like, if I'm just sitting on my couch with a con- with a controller, like, I don't want something that's like punching me in the head or pushing my fingers off the sticks. Oh, which yeah, I'm like, what? Like, All it would take is one time for that to happen and for me to die, and I would just immediately go to the menu and oh, turn that'd it off. Into that. That'd be yeah. it. <laughs> like, cats, I'm not dealing with that anymore. I mean, I'm sure there'll be cool things, you know. And there's some things you, I mean. 
Like, Nintendo like, like, if you have, like what, what if cool. in Splatoon 2 there's a there's like a weapon that lets you like screw with people's aim? Yeah. And, like, or with their controls. And like yeah, it just yeah. like forces you to go the other way when you're like and or maybe Eternal Darkness 2. Yeah, it could be fun. <laughs> not that's no no. That's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> but something in the vein of that. But it's just I don't know. Like it seems it's Here's also, one thing I'll also say, it's though. like it's like you have way more bigger fish to fry than whether your sticks push my thumb back or yeah, not, dude. Right. Like it's such they're, a weird. They're missing little... the forest for the trees yeah. with a lot of this stuff on the in this rumors list. And here's another thing I'll say is that a lot of times when you hear about stuff that Nintendo's doing, it sounds really stupid and lame. But then you actually try it, and you're like, oh, okay, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think Miiverse is a little bit like that. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. I'm like, wait, they're, I still they're don't creating care. their own social network. Why would they? Oh, this is actually kind of cool. Yeah, it's it nice. It's cool. It is I different. mean, part of it is like I would care more if I was like ten. Right. You know, but yeah. it's cool. But like, when you play with it, you're just like, oh, that's cool. I get to see what people thought about each level and yeah. stuff. And yeah, I was like, but it's like like you said with the, with the sticks. It's like like I did that on like uh, what was it Mario three D three D. No, New World? Super Mario Brothers, no. and like each level, you can see people's like comments yeah, about yeah. it. So, and I, that lasted about five levels. Before I and turned I was it like, off. and I don't need to know what you people think about that. You know, so, well, they kind of do that stuff in like the Soul series as well, where people can yeah. kind of leave notes for you and be like, look out. But then you have the people who troll you, and they're right. like, oh, just run on through this section, and like you run through, and somebody hacks but, your head off. But part of that is also like the cool thing. Reason that's cool in Dark Souls is that like you you can't write whatever you want. You have to kind of construct it out of what right. they give you. Yeah, yeah. And like sometimes it's partly like like what are they saying with the this one, and you go ahead and like you're like, oh, that makes I sense. I get now. it now. Yeah. My favorite part of Meverse actually is when you just load up the system and it's kind of that main screen where like you just see people clustered around each current game, yeah. and people will just like pop up like art they drew on like the the gamepad, and like yeah. some of that stuff is like, wow, like yeah, some of that yeah. stuff is really it's good. Amazing, dude. Like yeah. like people like just do incredible works. People just have just... so much time on their hands. I don't know how they get it. <laughs> I don't know some of those some of these people that are good at drawing because I can't draw they can do it or fast, they can just yeah. like sketch it out. It's like there's yeah. there's a perfect photorealistic Pikachu going with, back with to, a stylus and a gamepad. Boom. Going back to what I was saying earlier about how sometimes you hear about stuff Nintendo's doing and then you try it and you're like you're pleasantly surprised. I would say that the Wii U is the opposite of that. Mm. Like it looked really cool to me in promos and the first trailers and we saw it on stage at E3. Well, because they didn't do anything And with then, it. like, when you actually went to do this stuff, it wasn't anywhere near as fun or cool as no. when... It, but it was also, it it's a single-touch tablet screen, yeah. which means, like, you're already, like, five years behind the times with that. But, like, the main thing for me was that they never did anything that took advantage of that asymmetrical multiplayer beyond, like, Zombie U. Yeah. Like, I remember when that first... The, the system got first got announced, Penny Arcade did a strip where it was, like, it had, like, three people playing, like, a D&D, like, action RPG thing with the Wii controllers, and then, like, the, uh, the fourth person was, like using the gamepad to be the dungeon master and, like, throwing stuff in their path. Which, yeah. by the way, is, like, a premise for, like, a lot of board games now. Right, like, that yeah. was a lot. And, and he's, like... And at the end, they're, like, like that, you can have that one for free, Nintendo. You're welcome. Yeah. It's like, and they never did anything like that. Yeah. Like, it's just... It's, well, it's, it's like a ways. zombie U. Like, uh, there was one year at E3. So every year at E3, Nintendo does this thing after hours. And it's, like, they do their press conference, if they have one. And then they do their first day at the booth, and then at the end of the day, like, if you get a special invite, you go to this room, and a lot of times it's, like, Miyamoto in there, and, like, they they basically go more in-depth on whatever their big product is at the show that year. And one year, they took us into that room, and it was, like, this crazy asymmetrical multiplayer game from Ubisoft. 
And so it's very weird, first of all, for them to ever bring in like a third party. It's always yeah. Nintendo stuff at this. And they brought in Ubisoft, and it was awesome. Like, it was everything. I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is completely different from anything you can do on any other system. Uh, basically, like, the zombie master had the gamepad, mm. and he deployed the zombies on the gamepad, and then the other people playing had to, like, fight off the zombies that this guy was spawning. And so, and it had some crazy different name, and I think they just ended up integrating it into Zombie U or whatever. Mm. So, you're right. Like, the that blew my mind and i was like the possibilities i'm like this is the yeah. first game that they've built with this system to do this like imagine in three years yeah. when they really work with it and it never and they happened. never do anything again they never and by the way again. like that's what fable legends is yeah it is yeah like that's what that yeah. is is that's the exact concept and like the xbox Absolutely one right. is about to have a better asymmetrical multiplayer game than the system that was designed for it and it was created for yeah, yeah. and it's just, it's it blows my mind that that like you and that's like even even if you were like Dungeons, you know, Wizards of the Coast, if you like, you'd think you'd want to get in on that because it's like that could introduce a whole new generation to Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Even if you do it like a simplified version of of D and D playing, and it could also be a killer app. I yeah. mean, imagine if you had got like Dungeons and Dragons exclusively for the Wii U, right. or just how about this? If we're gonna let's throw it back to the to the old idea from the GameCube. What if they brought Pac-Man Versus back? Right. And just, that was a lot of fun. But you had to have, like, four Game Boy Advances and the cables for everyone. Everyone had to sit around the GameCube because the cables are really short. Yeah. And, like, but it's, like, you could do that, like, idea so much better with the Wii U, and they just never even tried. I know. It's been a huge disappointment. And Pac-Man's in Smash Brothers. It's not like they don't have the relationship (laughs) with Namco. Hell, that could have been a a mode you could unlock in Smash Brothers. Absolutely right. Yep. Because everybody playing Smash Brothers already has all these other controllers. Yeah, you're right. I just, it, what a waste. There's, it was, really. The Wii U never hit its potential any, no, anywhere close. The only all. thing I would say is visually, like, the games, I think, ended up looking better than I thought that they would. Yeah, I mean, it's really cool to see, like, you know, I mean, I'm not the biggest Mario fan in the world, but, like, playing New Super Mario Brothers on that, on you on that is really cool because it's, like, that's it's so sharp. It looks so good. It yeah. looks... You know, Mario's never looked that good. Same with Mario 3D World. I mean, yeah, it's, it looks great. It just—it's great to see. And, and, and part it's of 1080, 1080p. Well, it's also like 60 frames a second. I mean, we have kind of been seeing that for years. If you've been playing anything on the um, from the Wii on Dolphin, the emulator, yeah. where like you can make Mario Galaxy look like it should have, right? Yeah. Frankly, I right? Mean, it's like that. It's in there. It's not like they're it's making there, stuff. Yeah. Like if you if if the Wii could output a decent video signal, that's what it would look like. You're right. You're absolutely right. Right, let's move on to the next bullet point, Bluetooth Sync. Basically, it connects with all your Bluetooth devices, so you'll get alerts on the TV screen when somebody texts <laughs> Give you. Give me my or... PlayStation 4 controller back, Nintendo. Yeah. So you'll get alerts if people like tweet at you or you get a message on Facebook or whatever. All the same functionality that your cell phone has with Bluetooth. The cell phone I have next to me on the table right. that I can look at right. when I'm playing a video game. Yeah. Stop it. Yeah. Stop it. There's really no point. Um, But I'm sure, like, that's, again, you know, we've talked about how, like, uh, I think at least the NX needs to integrate mobile a little bit, at least to have some kind of support for Pokemon Go involved. Um, To give you a reason to bring your Pokemon Go to the NX and kind of have it interact somehow. So I'm sure that's partly related to that. Yep. Uh, Extensive social features. I mean, look, that is one place where Nintendo's really missed the ball this generation. Mm -hmm. Look, you can set up your Xbox One and your PlayStation 4 so that... You send out tweets, Facebook posts, whatever. Every time you do anything, upload video directly to the services so people can watch it directly. 
Nintendo kind of walled it all off on Miiverse. Mm. Miiverse doesn't really integrate with other social media. Um, it looks like Nintendo's going to change its stance. I don't know if it's going to dump Miiverse, but at the very least, it appears that it's going to integrate Miiverse into other social mm. media networks. That has to happen. Yeah, and it's also like, it's not like the other two have perfected this by any means whatsoever. There's plenty of room for Nintendo to come in and have the best social interaction uh, features it's on the console. It's pretty good, though. I mean... It is, but, I mean, it's, it's, it's very... It's pretty cool to, like, record something. Especially, I love, like, the Xbox One, like, record that feature when something mm-hmm. crazy happens. And just trim it down real quick and upload it to social media, and it's like, boom, people can watch oh, yeah. it right there. But it's Same just with like, PlayStation 4 but there's share. there's still a like, lot of room great. for improvement. I mean, we just found out that the firm, the next firmware for the PlayStation 4 is finally adding the option to have the PlayStation 4 tell you when your friends sign on. Yeah. Two years <laughs> later. It's really funny. And it's also, it, it was another one that was, it was oh, uh, uh, finally, after how long have PlayStations been online, finally they're adding an option to appear offline. Yeah, yeah. That one has been a real. That one been a technical challenge. Apparently. No one's perfect. Not we're not just but, bagging on Nintendo. No, Nintendo's Nintendo has has a, certainly has a window in that area to blow the competition away if they come up with the right ideas. I think. Yep. And the final bullet point is easy to use and easy to develop for. Well, the former I would always expect because Nintendo always wants it to be easy to use. The latter, I don't know anything about, so I can't... Yeah, the guy who leaked it said it's if you're good at using an iPhone or a Samsung Galaxy, that you should be able to jump right in and use the NX with no problem. So. That's disconcerting in some ways, but... I don't know. I think... Well, I'm just kind of hoping it's more than a phone or a tablet, I guess would be... I mean, that's really what it's kind of looking like. I mean, look, they're saying... New ARM processors are more powerful than PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Maybe Nintendo's worked out some kind of a deal to debut these new ARM processors. Because, look, they use ARM in 3DS. They've used ARM, I believe, in all their their last two or three handhelds. So they already have that relationship. And if the performance of those processors is really getting to that place... It's like funny, though, because a lot of that stuff, plus the haptic analog sticks and some of the other, like, you know... It, it, the, the, there's a question that raises in my mind that I don't want to ask, but it does pop up, and that question is, does it have buttons? Yeah. It has to. I, it better. Nintendo said before, it's like you have to have like, there are yeah. buttons. There's nothing that matches a there's button. There's buttons, dude. There's got to be. If there are no buttons, I won't buy it. <laughs> <laughs> no buttons, no buy. Let's start a campaign, Sifters. <laughs> no buttons, no buy. If they debut that thing and it's all touchscreen, I'll start the hashtag and it will spread like wildfire. <laughs> no buttons, no buy. That's the bottom line. I won't buy a video game console if it doesn't have buttons. No BA, no BA, stop. Yeah, exactly. So, how overall... Is this encouraging to you, all this stuff? I mean, look, again, it may not even be true. I, I don't think know. it probably is. I mean, you know, it's it's more or less what I expected outside of the haptic analog sticks. I didn't really see that one coming. but um, And the wireless HDMI, which I think sounds pointless, but maybe there's a... Like I said, there must be some bigger picture reason for that. Yeah. Um, but again, uh, show me the games. Like your your hardware is what your hardware is, uh, yeah. but even even as much of a failure as the Wii U have, has been, if you'd made that you know Zombie U two enhancement of that idea, if you'd made that D and D game, if you'd made that Pac Man versus mode, like I'd have forgiven you a lot. But there's nothing there that you know there's nothing there that takes advantage of the design of those things. Even Xenoblade's Xeno, map, 
like Until Blade Chronicles X. Like I'm like I'm like this is cool. It's a cool way to use this. I feel like I don't need to mess with menus too yeah. much and all that. It was I, I like that. And like if there'd been more to that, if there'd been more games that were not afraid to sort of step outside the boundaries and really take advantage of what they'd made, I think I would like that system a lot more than I have. Yeah. But they haven't. So if it's a weird system again, if it's a weird, I hope they just go balls to the wall and embrace it and do it. You know. If you want to really look, you know, it's like, oh, we want the Nintendo difference, which is one of their slogans they've yeah. used forever. I haven't heard that for a while. Well, then, <laughs> then be it. Like, yeah. do it. Like, get out there and make something different. So, like, when I play it, I don't think I wish I was just playing this on a PlayStation. Yeah, which it sadly is how I felt about a lot of Nintendo games mm-hmm. of late. Is you know, I don't see any advantage to playing this on Nintendo's hardware anymore. Right. So make it special. Yeah, that's what they have to do. All right, let's move on to the next topic, folks. Going to talk about Super Hot. Yeah. Super Hot. Have you played this, Matt? I have not. I've watched some videos, and I saw... I, I Honestly, I'd never heard of it until you posted, like, 15,000 reviews of it on Sit. Really? You'd never heard of I, it? I don't... If I'd heard of it, I had forgotten about it. Wow. Now, I feel... And someone... When I read a description of it, how it's, you know, it's like a shooter and time doesn't move unless you move. Like, I, that sounded familiar, so I must have heard about it, but I just forgot it was not on my radar at all. Here's what I'm going to say about this game. The first hour of playing this game is one of the coolest, most unique experiences I've had playing a video game in a long, long, long time, Matt. It is... There's nothing like it. And it's so hard to say that. I mean, just visually it looks different, but the gameplay is completely unlike anything I've ever experienced before. It goes completely against what you... your You've taught your brain what you've fed your brain for the last however many years you've been playing video games. And it's a first-person shooter, but it doesn't play like a first-person shooter at all. It actually plays more like a puzzle game hmm. because it's all about managing time and looking at the the variables that are put into each room. Because really, it's just like a room-by-room experience. And so you have all these variables. You have X number of enemies. You have the the enemy's locations. You have the distance between the enemies. You have the weapons that the enemies have. You have the space between you and the enemies where you have to try to figure out how much time you have to close that space. It it made me think about video games in a way that I have never thought about video games before. It looks almost... It's like a first-person shooter with the lessons of roguelikes applied to it almost. A little bit... I mean, a lot of times when I think of roguelike, I think, like, survival for some right. reason. <laughs> but what, one of the things to me that, like, defines... You know, I know that's it's kind of expanded in recent years, but I think, of things, I think of things like Dragon Crystal and, like, yeah. you know, all that. And, you know, where, like, when you move a square, everything else moves a square. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, that's one of the defining yeah. elements of a roguelike to me. And that's what I keep getting reminded of watching No, that is... It is a very similar aesthetic, for sure. Um... Which I've always found to be one of the most compelling elements of roguelike, so I'm, that's a positive thing to me. I mean, look, this isn't really a first-person shooter at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's look, there's some skill involved with like sighting things up, but the enemies don't do anything until you move. So you have plenty of time to like sight guys up. It's really about planning. You you go into a room and you're like, okay, I have this guy over here. He missed. I, <laughs> I yeah, he missed. Yeah. So I have you have. Like, these two guys here, one guy has a gun, one doesn't. I don't, maybe you don't have a gun. So the other part that kind of throws an extra element into it is that if you throw things at the enemies, it will take their weapons away. So if you can toss, like, a coffee cup or whatever, and if you hit them in the head and they have a gun, the gun will pop up and you'll get the gun. And that has a whole other layer to the way things work. And another part of it, too, is, like, 
if you have a gun and you throw the gun, the gun will break. So part of the strategy is not losing your weapons or breaking your weapons. So a lot of times you need to set the weapon down on the ground. It's crazy. Hmm. For the first couple hours, like it just completely rewires your brain of how to play it. And the other thing that's really cool too is after you complete each room, it shows everything happen in real time in a replay. Mm. And that's when you understand like the full scope of what you've been doing. So you complete the level, it comes up with a super hot, super hot. And then it shows in real time what exactly happened. And so you'll see like you dodging like left and right around bullets and then like throwing something in the gun pot and then you get the gun and you pull it up and shoot it. It looks so awesome when they show it at full speed that you don't even realize that's what you were doing while you're playing the game because it's really like more strategic and about planning. So I enjoyed the living crap out of this game for a couple hours. The problem with the game is that it runs out of tricks really quickly. So probably after the first hour, they stop adding new elements into the levels. And from then on, it's just basically rinse and repeat over and over again. Mm -hmm. And it gets a little more complex because they'll throw more enemies into a room or they'll throw a couple more variables or they won't make it as easy to find things to throw at the enemies. And so they do mix it up a little bit that way. But as far as the tools that you get to play it, after the first hour, hour and a half, it doesn't really change. And then the whole game itself is really like two, three hours long. And they're hmm. asking... I got it for free. I believe they're asking 25 for this game. Mm, wow. And they're working on VR for it. I'm assuming if you buy this now and eventually they update it for VR that you will get that update for free. Again, I'm assuming. I'm not... Don't quote me on that. I don't know that that's exactly the case. Um, but it just makes smart business sense that if somebody already paid you $25 for a three-hour game, that when the VR version of that game comes around, that those people should be able to get that for free. So in VR, this game would be incredible. It's cool when it's not in VR. Um, but my problem is the expense, the cost of the game. Like I talked about this a little bit last week. Like to me, like you know, the value that we expect from games is higher than films. And here you're talking about a three-hour experience. There are lots of movies out there right now that are three hours long that you pay ten or fifteen dollars for. Yeah. And here you're getting a three-hour game experience for twenty, twenty-five dollars. So. I really feel like I'm put in a weird position. I think it, what it really comes down to is how much do you value new experiences? Like, if and look, watching this, you can get the gist of it, and based upon what I've told you about it already, mm. you can understand how it plays. How important is that new experience to you? If you really thirst for that type of stuff, it's probably worth 25 bucks because it is again like something like you've never played before. Um, I think people who may be sitting on the fence on this game, looking at it and be like, maybe it's not for me, I would not recommend buying the game. I would wait. It's inevitably going to go down. It's inevitably going to appear in Humble Bundles and mm. all this other stuff where you can get it on a cheap discount. Um, and again, it's a very, very short experience. So it's hard to rationalize spending half of a full-price game, essentially, on a two- or three-hour experience that, granted, is really flipping cool. So you know, a lot of the reviews for this... And that's one thing I would say about a lot of reviews for indie games and smaller games is that they never take into account, like, the value you're getting out of the game. Like, I think that's one thing with Sifta's game evals that I like about them is that, like, every time I go to write an eval, I'm forced to think about every element of a video game. You have to, because you have to write each section of that game eval. And so, just intrinsically, you're forced to evaluate every element of the game. And I feel like this is another one of these cases where people are like, that was awesome! And that's it. 
Mm. Like, this game was awesome. They don't think about, like, what it's like for people to actually pay for stuff because, you know, all journalists get their games for free. So, I, I, you know, for certain people, I can't recommend it highly enough. For other people, I would say don't buy it. Um, I, I don't know. It's one of those games that put me in a corner where I'm like, you know, I'm working on writing the game eval right now. In fact, I hope I finish it up tonight whenever I get back from uh, recording the show. But it's put me in a really weird position on working on the game eval, like trying to figure out who do you recommend this game to. And I would say to people who have been playing games for 20, 30 years who are maybe burning out on some of the stuff that just seems to get recycled over and over, those are the people that I would recommend buying it. Um, also, I would say those people generally are a little older, a little farther along in their careers, probably have a little more disposable income, so it's not going to hurt them, you know, if they if they were to spend 20, 25 bucks on this game. So, really cool, man. I mean, I just, I love the concept. I wish that they had fleshed it out a little more. I wish that they had created more content. Uh, look, after the game is over, there is there is stuff to do. Like, there's kind of like time trials and things like that. Um, where you can kind of perfect your play and get better and better at it, but there's no like game plus per se where there's new content to play through mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that. So again, for certain people, I highly recommend it. For others, I would just say stay away and watch a let's play. That's the other thing too is you could watch a let's play on uh, on YouTube for free, mm-hmm. and it's only two hours long, and you can pretty much watch the whole game being played right there. So there you have it. That's super hot. You gonna <laughs> give it a shot, Matt? I might. Um, I have a lot to play right now. Yeah, but, uh, it's not gonna get any better. Easier. No, it's not. <laughs> it's only gonna get worse from here on out. But it is only a couple hours, so yeah. But so I you get think, through it really um, quickly. I think here's one thing I will say is I think people are gonna end up referencing this game for a long time to come. Mm. I think three, four years from now, when inevitably there'll be a couple clones that come out. Well, definitely. Like I look at this and I'm just like, well, at the very least, I'm gonna have to have this played by E3. Because yeah. everyone's going to be talking about it. Yeah, oh yeah. Everywhere you go, people you play super hot. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't need that frame of reference. But I just think in general, like this will be a game that people will point to. I'm sure by this time next year, there'll be at least one or two other games that are like it, where, you know, things... And it, maybe it's not a shooter. Maybe it's a platformer mm-hmm. where things only change while you're moving. Yeah. Or... But you're right. I mean, I just put down 20 bucks to go see... Uh, to, to buy a pre-order a ticket for Batman vs. Superman, which I don't even think I'm going to like, so... <laughs> I am not going to see that movie. I have got to be on the front lines of that argument. <laughs> I have no interest in that film at so all. So if I can spend 20 bucks on that, I can spend 20 bucks on this. I'm sure if you went back and talked to, like, my 8-year-old self, and you said, you know, when, when you get up to a certain age, you're not going to want to go see a movie that is... Batman versus Superman. I'd have been like, my old self is lame. <laughs> no, your old self knows crap when he sees yeah, it. Yeah, it looks like crap. <laughs> I'm sure it'll still do gangbusters. Oh, it'll have a great office. It'll be a huge opening weekend, no question. Yeah. But will it have the repeat business to make money like the Avengers or Star Wars or Deadpool? I don't know if everybody wants to go see Batman and Batman and Superman be dicks to each other for two and a half hours yeah. over and over. We'll see. Yeah. Why is there no game? Isn't, that would probably be better. Isn't it kind of sad that like there's no games for these big movies anymore? But they're only? usually terrible anyway. Though. Yeah, but every once in a while you get the good one. Every once in a while there'd be one that's like, oh, this was way better like, than I thought it was. Every once be. in a great while. I don't know. I just I, I miss like big event movies not having ga- shitty games supporting. <laughs> them. I, I just there was there was a charm to it. They were a lot of the B level games actually. Yeah. 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 
And Amazing Spider-Man continued that all the way until a couple years ago because of some contracts they had to fulfill, I think. That actually segues pretty well into our next topic, which is The Division and its reviews. Ah, yes. Uh, please do not review this until it's too late for the consumers. That was... Uh, uh, the watchword of the superhero licensed movie tie-in game, that's for sure. Yeah, exactly. And B-level games. Like, yeah. a lot of those games that sell would sell for $30 or $40, like, you know, you wouldn't get them until they released, and they'd ship them out on the day they shipped out to stores, so you would actually get the game, like, two days after it came out. By the time you got the review done, it was four or five days later. At that point, all the impulse buying's been done. You say the game sucks, it's too late, people have already bought it. So with this one, they're not even giving us code for the game until it's available to everybody. Like, we're just downloading it when everyone else is downloading it. Look, this is Ubisoft. We always get code way early for Ubisoft. I had Far Cry Primal a week before it came out. Um, They're not sending us codes, download codes Mm. for this, until retail hits. And so, look, they're... The message that they sent out through PR was there's not going to be anyone on the servers anyway. Um, you know, this game's all about playing online, so it wouldn't really do you any good to have this code before everybody has it. And it's total bullcrap because, as we all know, and as anybody who played the beta knows, there are single player missions in mm-hmm. this game. And Outside of the Dark Zone, it can be fully played single player. Right. right. And so why not? Get us the codes. Let us play through all the single-player content leading up to... I mean, I should have this game now, mm-hmm. basically. So I'm playing through all the single-player stuff. And sure, reviews come out a day or two after the game is released. That's fine. Because they're right. You know, you do need to test this out in the wild when there's thousands of people on the server so you can really understand how the design works mm-hmm. and if the balancing works. And I'd rather get a review from someone who's put a week into it than a day and a half. Right, and if the loot drops are working crop properly and the drop rates are right, I mean, yeah, all Yeah, first that. day Destiny people know what that's about. Exactly, I mean. so I understand their angle, but that there's no excuse for not letting us play through the single-player campaign stuff. There's none. Yeah, I don't see that. Because... We've certainly done it before. Right. What's going to happen is that now, instead of putting out putting up the game eval a couple days or three days, you know, maybe the online's so robust that it's four days after it comes out. We don't know yet. But no matter what, because they won't let us play the single-player content, you're going to have to tack on an extra however many days to play through the single-player as well past the release date. Mm-hmm. So what does that tell you, Matt? What 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 is your spider sense tingling over right now? What is it telling you? I don't know. Well, like usually in this situation, it would tell me that like oh, there's something wrong, and they don't they don't trust it. Like there's something yeah. up. But I played the beta, and it was solid. I yep. I really in fact you know I think we've talked before. I had no interest in the division, and I played yeah. the open beta weekend. And I'm like, and now I'm gonna gonna buy it. Like I I, I really liked it. I was shocked because like i obviously i think that the open beta had a lot more content than the the earlier one that you played yeah yeah um but i really you know and i just like whatever it was you know the bullet sponge stuff does kind of bother me a little bit but it didn't it wasn't too bad and like for whatever reason the setting is compelling to me and like building the base is cool and i'm like i'm like yeah i'm in i'll do it so like and also because it was open beta it's not like people haven't played the first few hours of the game already anyway so it's like 
what would they be hiding? I don't know. The only thing I can think is there must be some massive day one patch or something that they don't want people playing without. Here's what I think. I think a single player content is not up to scratch. And I think maybe there's not that much of it. Mm. And I think that they are afraid that if we get that game today or whatever, that what people will do is they'll put up the single player review in progress mm. on embargo or before the game comes out and look there's a lot of people out there who still care about playing a game by themselves without being online or whatever and i feel like they're afraid that if the word gets out that the single player stuff in this game isn't great like destiny that it could taint the pool and people are gonna be like well wait a minute like you know i like playing online sometimes but is that really all i'm gonna be able to do in this game because the single player is not great like but everything's online in this game it is. Well, you're connected while you play. Mm -hmm. It's not like you need other people no. to be in your game to complete the single-player quests. They're designed to play by yourself. So not only is it going to keep us from getting reviews done before you know a week... I mean, you're probably not going to see real reviews for this until at least a week after it's on store shelves. I just... It's shifty. Like, right now the graphics says shifty or shrewd. It's, sh it's shifty and shitty. <laughs> It's the best way to put it. Like, I'm not like the journalist. It's like, oh, like we need to get it early. Like, all I care about is serving our subscribers and serving people. That's all I've ever wanted to do in this industry is help people spend their money intelligently, save them from wasting their money. Sixty dollars is a lot of money. And so, I remember what happened with Destiny. Destiny. So, actually, let's just go back over history a little bit here, Matt. So, this isn't the first time Ubisoft has done this. Ubisoft also did it with the crew, mm -hmm. where they, they, I think with the crew, they didn't send out code until too late for, for basically when the game came out. Assassin's Creed Unity, I don't know if you remember this or not, they gave people an embargo and gave them the game early. The embargo was for the next day <laughs> at noon. So basically they're saying, look, this game is going to be on store shelves for 12 hours before you're allowed to post your review, which is just insane because mm -hmm. conceivably what you could have done is pull up, bought it at midnight, played it for 12 hours, written your review in an hour or two. You can finish Unity in that amount of time if you, don't, if you just go through the story. Well, if it weren't for the bugs, who's well. the... <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Like, it's that's completely ridiculous. But look, they knew that game was bad, and that was them definitely protecting the game because they knew it had bugs, they knew it had issues, and they knew it was going to get murdered in reviews, which consequently it was, albeit a day later or two days later. So that, look, that's two cases of Ubisoft right there, like jimmying the review embargo process to try to uh, cover its butt for games that, because the crew got murdered too, man. Oh yeah. But the thing with The Division, like, you know, having played all those games and now played the beta of The Division, The Division feels like a much more solid game than those two. Oh, I'd agree. Yeah. Um, so like, I mean, look, I, we're seeing a very small slice, Matt. It's a very small slice, but like, if you really want to go out and do all that stuff, I mean, there were people that took like twenty hours to do that last yeah. beta, and like, that's a lot of time. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, you know, and so like, when you say like, is there, you know, is the single player content division? I'm like, have we seen like half the single player content already in that beta? Well, the one I like, played, I only had like two missions for single player. See, on, on the one I played, there were. I mean, the whole, the map was full of stuff. I mean, it was like a Ubisoft map. You know, there's tons of things to do. You know. 
And so like there's the different the three different types of missions for like the three different things you upgrade yeah. the base. And there was like encounters, and there was like the blue the blue dots were this, and the blue, you know, And I was like I was like I don't have time to do all this shit. I, was, I, I should was, have like, played the second beta. It Holy was very cow. different. It was for, I guess so for sure. And so like you know so what, after coming out of that beta, I'm like. If there's a dearth of single-player content, uh, they real really front-loaded it well on this on that beta because there was tons of stuff to do. Was well, either and, there isn't any, or it's all the same, or it's all the same over and over again. Which because there's like three or four different types of missions basically that I ran into which in the beta. It's like the Destiny syndrome, more or less. <laughs> um, and then of course there's the you know, the dark the dark zone or whatever. Right. But like, um, I mean that would be very disappointing. Uh, would be even more disappointing if the single player is gigantic <laughs> and you get it on the day it comes out and your review doesn't come out till like 10 days later because you're uh, grinding through like four or five days of campaign stuff. Like, there's really no case where this is good, I guess no. is what I'm getting at. What, however, whatever their reasons for it, it's, it's annoying and it's, it's not... Uh, it's not good for anyone who's thinking about buying this game. And it doesn't make sense. Look, from the multiplayer and the Dark Zone, sure, I get it. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Like, if I had worked for three or four years on a game that predominantly was online, I would not want people to go play it when there's, like, three dudes running around. Right. But at the same time, it's like if they're really... If they're concerned about getting killed in the reviews like they were with the crew and, and Unity... Like, they've already put two betas out on this thing. And response to the last one was pretty good. Yeah, So, yeah. like, I don't see why they'd be that concerned about it unless there's something we really don't know. Right. Um, I think the main thing... I mean, I think the, the explanation is probably, like, you know, either a big day one patch or, like, the maybe the day one patch includes, like, half the game. Like, maybe it's not done. Like, maybe there's, like... Maybe they're about to shove the last chunk of, a, of content in there. La- and like, if you played or it this week, they, it wouldn't be there at all. Or maybe from the beta that came across some crazy bug that they're trying yeah, to squash. Like, there's something regardless going it, on here. Like, regardless, it doesn't look good. Their reasoning for this is total bullcrap. Right. I don't think they're telling. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're not like, telling like, the truth. I wouldn't do you. Any, it's like just, just say it. Just you know, because like, because yeah. we know at this point if it's something else. We're going to find out. Eventually, we'll find out, yeah. It's like, it, it's like you might yeah. as well be honest. Like, honesty is always the best policy, no matter what you're talking about. That just doesn't seem to be how Yubi rolls, though. No, it really doesn't. And sadly, they generally make really good games. So. Yeah, but they always have... There's kind of this thing about how it's like, oh, they think they're going to fool people. And it's like, they never... It never works. You can't fool the internet, people. Well, eventually, like, someone's going to leave your company who knows the story, and... Right. Sooner rather or later, everyone's going to find out what really And happened. also, in general, like gamers are just way too interested in their own hobby yeah. to let this stuff lie. And yeah. someone's going to find out. Yep. And then you're going to look bad. But you look, you look fine if you're like, look, we're having some problems. The content's not done. It's going to be all put up in time for the day one patch. But if you play it this week, you're not going to be playing the whole game. Yeah. That's all you need to say. You're right. You're right. And so, just so you guys know, like... That may or may not be true. That's total right, right. speculation. But, right. So, but I wouldn't, as a reviewer, I would not be offended or consider it a hugely negative thing if they said that to me. Yeah. I'd be like, no, it's understandable. You got a release date. You got to hit it. This is a very, you know, these online games are very malleable. Technical issues can pop up in the last second that you don't even realize. Like, if you need to get, if you need every single minute of time up to that launch minute, like, I understand. Yeah. yeah. Like, I get it. But, like, the, the story they gave you. Sounds a little PRE. Yeah, and you know, just so you know, Ubisoft isn't the only company that does this. In fact, it used to happen a lot more often back in the day. Oh, yeah. Sega was notorious for doing this. Mm-hmm. 
I remember well, a couple. You Sonic knew when games. Sega had a stinker because you just it, you didn't like, get it. Oh yeah, we'll, we'll let you know. Like, you, know you didn't get it. You, you call them and they're like, oh yeah, we sent that, and you're like, you got a tracking number on that? Oh okay, I'll get that back to you. Yeah. Never hear from them again. We're downstairs. How about we just come up and <laughs> yeah. get one for you? He's like, no, it can't. Uh, uh, Shipping's in. Reactor leak, radiation, very dangerous. Give us a second to lock it down. He was like, what the fuck's going yeah. on? Hey, look, it's happened, but usually it's happened with games that you kind of knew before you even oh, reviewed yeah. them that they probably weren't going to be good. Yeah. You played them at, like, a preview event, and, like, <laughs> your impressions were, like, that last sentence was, like... They go, really? You don't want to send us Batman Dark tomorrow? You don't say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah, so, look, we're not just uh, picking on Ubisoft here. A lot of publishers do it, although it's a lot less prevalent than it used to be now that kind of that B tier of games has disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, but very, it, yeah, very few major publishers really put out a game they think sucks. Anyway. But I will say that Ubisoft does seem to be one of the few publishers left that still does it. Well, you can, you can take the you can take the B games out of the publishing schedule, but you can't take the France out of Ubisoft. Really. <laughs> uh, so just so you know, we're gonna do we're gonna do next week's show on Wednesday because that'll give us a whole twenty four hours to play the division before we talk about it on Game Face. Yeah, that's so, a good point. So yeah, we will be doing the show uh, next Wednesday, just like this week and the week prior, just to make sure maybe we can get in as much time as possible. I'm hoping, like, somehow over the next, like, few days, like, pressure builds on Ubisoft. That's one of the reasons I'm talking about it right here is, like, Hmm. I'm hoping, you know, the more people that talk about it, the more people will tweet at them and be like, you know, what's going on? Why are you not letting people review this game so that we can actually give you guys some valuable information at embargo break or at release date? So... We'll see how it goes. Um, follow me on Twitter, and I'll keep you up to date on when we get the game and when I'm starting to dig into it. So maybe Ubisoft will hear the cries, and uh, they'll change their stance and let us get through some of that single-player stuff uh, before the uh, servers go live. So otherwise, you're going to be waiting a while for that game eval. So nothing we can do about it. Just want to let you guys know that's what's going on with that game. And it's going to have the same for everybody. All the websites are dealing with it right now. So... That's what's up. Let's move on to the next topic. Twilight Princess HD. Yeah. Yeah, I've been playing this. Oh, yeah? I have not finished it. Mine doesn't get here until Friday. Yeah. I've, uh, I don't know, about 10, 12 hours into it. Um, I don't know if I'm going to play any more of it, to be honest with you. Uh, it's Twilight Princess, and here's... <laughs> and, like, I gave this game a really high score at GT when it came out. And granted, you know, it's 10 years later. It was one of the... First, ah! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why, what did they do to her face? They didn't really do anything to her face. No, that's, that's the way not, she looked. No, that's not what her eyes looked like, I'm I pretty sure. I don't know. I think you may be surprised. I don't think so. <laughs> and that's kind of my whole point about this game, is, like, my memory of this game and what this game really is is a lot different. Or at least it was. Now that my memory's been set into its proper place. Wow, look at that run animation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, I mean... So, yeah, the puzzles in the game are still good. The dungeons are still good. But even with the HD, like, up-res... And, like, there's some scenes where they've added, like, a couple trees here and there. But this Did game... Did they shorten, like, the beginning? Because, like, I remember taking, like, seven hours to get, like through the tutorial stuff into the first dungeon. It's a lot more obvious than it was mm. before. Like, I think I remember when I first played it, like, there's, like, a... The, there's the fishing thing at the beginning. Yeah. And I got completely stumped with, like, the whole <laughs> hawk with, like, the... And now it's, like, more obvious what you mm. need to do. It's very... It's a lot more difficult to get stuck at the beginning of the game. Um, but beyond that, that's not even, like, what I was saying. Like, 
yeah, the beginning of the game is really slow, and you would never see this with a game today. Uh, most games like smack you in the face with something right out of the gate to get you engaged and into it. They usually start with an action scene. The game still starts out really slowly. But it just feels like an old game. Mm-hmm. Like, I can play, like, 2D Zeldas. Most of them, and even Ocarina of Time, like, I can still play that game, and it doesn't feel like an ancient game, but this one, it does. Um, the other thing, too, is this is the first time I've played it without motion controls. Because mm. when I played it the first time, I played it on Wii with Waggle. <laughs> and I actually liked the motion controls and the Waggle in it. If only for, like, the aiming, like, the, the pointer aiming, because it was so accurate and quick and responsive. But the story in this game is really hokey. The acting in it's really bad. Like Zelda game, <laughs> it is. I it just yeah. Again, I gave this game a really high score ten years ago, um, and maybe then it deserved that What'd score. What'd you give it? I don't remember. Like a nine five or wow. something like that. Yeah. Oh, I loved it. Mm. This would have been more of like an eight. For me, you would have I mean, been an extreme outlier back then. Yeah, if you I know. Gave this game an eight, but uh, I think I'm pretty much right in retrospect. Yeah, I still think. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if it would have been that low for that. For think about ten years ago, that was a this long was, time. Yeah, but this is also the first Zelda game I never finished. Yeah, I just stopped about two thirds of the way through. I'm just like, why am I continuing to do this to myself? And you know what? Part of the problem was like you'd go through all that effort to find a chest, you'd open it was a rupee, and you're still yeah. folding. Like, oh, you better put it back. I'm just yeah. like, <laughs> no, <"Fuck> you. <laughs> And I, I want I am, that rupee. I am. I ordered the one with the with the amiibo specifically because the thing that unlocks is like the thing that gives you a wallet that holds like nine thousand yeah, nine hundred ninety. Right. I'm just like I will never <laughs> have to close another chest again. Like that's what I'm here for. I know, I already know. The other thing that I, I thought was disappointing about this game back in the day was. Um, you know, they have the typical Zelda thing where you get the new uh, the new item in each dungeon that kind of like you know lets yeah. you solve it and that. But this one in particular, in a way that the other Zeldas didn't at the time, up to then, like that item would be used in that dungeon, and then you'd like never use yeah, it again. You're like, it, right. it, yeah. like especially the, the the like the gyroscope top thing, which yeah. I thought that that boss fight in that dungeon where you get that is awesome. Yeah. And then like you basically use it for like a couple secret items, and then never again. Yeah. And I know like the whole dungeon kind of has to be designed around it for something like that to work, but it just felt like they. They did like a. They designed each dungeon around the item you get in it, and then they just sort of ignored it. Yeah. And I was disappointed by that. Yeah, because uh, like prior to these Zelda games, to that one, it was like you gradually built your arsenal until like you get to the final dungeon where you're using all of them mm. in that final dungeon. And you're right, this one it was kind of like cordoned off. I think Skyward Sword was kind of like that too, actually. A little bit. A little bit. Um, you used all of them. In Skyward Sword, once you got out into the overworld, you used Yeah, you used them all, all in the overworld a lot yeah. more than you did in Twilight Princess. But yeah, the dungeons were still a little segmented in that regard. But I thought they, Skyward Sword did it better than Twilight Princess did in that. Which is not something I will say very often, that Skyward yeah, Sword yeah. did something better than anything. Yeah. But um, at the, on the flip side, I think Midna is one of Nintendo's greatest characters of all time. Uh, I, I like really like Midna her. a lot. I like the tone of this game a lot. It's mm-hmm. darker. It's more serious. I like the look of it. I mean, not just in the sense of like you know, I'm, you know, when they revealed this, I think we were both at the Nintendo press conference. Oh, yeah. They revealed this, and when people went berserk, the point, everybody yeah. lost their minds. And people were crying in the aisles. Yeah. And I mean, it was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. 
Like but, no matter um, games or otherwise. Like, no, anywhere. Like nothing. Was, I mean, it must have been like what it was like to be in like a Beatles concert back in the day. It was insane. <laughs> like there were there were grown men crying on their knees yeah. behind me. I mean, it was, it was amazing. Well, this was like Nintendo delivering the game that the fans were asking yeah. for. They're like, just give us a sequel to Ocarina of Time. Why won't you yeah. do it? Why won't you do it? And this was Nintendo yeah, like saying, here it is. And so I, I mean, but I wasn't one of. The, I mean. You know, if it had a couple more dungeons, Wind Waker would be my favorite Zelda game. Like, I, I have no problem with Wind Waker's cartoony, you know, self look at all. Great. I thought it yeah. was great. Um, but I also think this looks great, too. And I even like, you know, a lot of people don't like kind of the, how it's sort of washed out a little bit. You know, everything's a little dreamlike and gauzy in this game. Here's I think the thing that, about I think that's a really cool look to it, though. But it seems like they lost a little bit of that in the HD translation. Do there are moments in this game where it looks amazing. And it totally has the atmosphere that you're talking about. But then there are other parts where it looks terrible. Like that shot that you were talking about before at the character model. Like... There are some parts of this game where it looks every bit of 10 years old, but then there's some dungeons and some of the cutscenes where they they do a really good job with the lighting and like the fogging and stuff and like it has a lot of atmosphere. I also like the like the effects for when you attack enemies. How those like squares fly out and mm. like I like all that, but there's just I mean, there's some parts where the game just looks like ass. <laughs> I guess there's really no other way to put it, man. Like there's just lots of barren environments and like I mean, they've improved the lighting a good bit for it. It's not quite as pixelated as the other versions were. Um, but here's the thing about this game. is like once you get into the dungeons and you're kind of over the presentation of it and everything, it's still a great game. And truth be told, you do spend 80% of your time in the dungeons in this game. The puzzles are still great. That's the thing about games that are built around like puzzles. It's like puzzles never get old. Like, you never look at a puzzle, you're like, well, I can tell that puzzle was made in 1981. <laughs> like, <laughs> you just don't work that way. I had a couple moments like that playing The Witness, though. Oh, really? Oh, uh, yeah, I guess you're right. Line puzzles will do that Some to you. Some of those you. puzzles could have been made in 1921. Yeah, I yeah, mean, you're on. right. <laughs> it could have completely been the, divorced from the game. It could have been in the back of the New York Times on Sunday or but that's whatever. Like one, it's, like the, it's like the opposite. It's the anti-Zelda in some ways, because like the great thing about Zelda is all those puzzles are always incorporated into the dungeon. The right. dungeon is the puzzle. Yeah. So what I would say about this game is, if you've already played it, I do not recommend playing it again at all. Because what's going to happen? <laughs> what's going to happen is you're going to ruin one of your favorite video game memories of playing this game. Like, it really did. Like, I questioned myself too. I was like, man, why did I like this so much back then? And I started looking. Like, I went and started looking at like other games that came out the same year, and I actually felt a little bit better after I saw that. I was like, okay, this game was a kind of ahead of the curve, or at least not behind the curve when it came out. But also now... it's the first like legit straight up Zelda game since nineteen ninety eight at that yeah. because Majora's Mask was was not your normal Zelda game. Yeah. Wind Waker was obviously a totally different direction. And so yeah. here was your first you know, this was what what was this, two thousand six? Yeah. Yeah. Launch yeah. of the Wii, two thousand six. So yeah. I mean it had been almost it'd been eight years yeah. since we'd played like just a straight Zelda game. The other thing too about it is that like no one copies Zelda. Like I don't get it. Like here and there, like Darksiders is kind of a Zelda yeah, clone. Yeah, Darksiders or uh, Okami. Yeah, and they're never really particularly successful. They're not. They're not. At I all. mean, I think Okami is a better Zelda game than this. Some Zelda games, yeah. <laughs> uh, but Okami never found the uh, you know commercial success. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I uh, here's the other thing I would say about this too is it makes me very happy that Zelda U is completely changing direction. 
Mm. Because, uh, and I learned this with Skyward Sword, but this was like a painful like reminder stabbed into my back is <sighs> that, yeah, like the Zelda formula feels kind of ancient at this point, and there's a lot of elements of it that need to be brought up to speed mm. and changed, and so... I think you could do it. It actually, so it disappointed me in, in myself for, for liking this game so much when it came out, but it also emboldened me to be much more excited for the new mm. Zelda, so... Like, I'm, I think, like... You know, like with Midna, I think you can you can get a lot more out of the formula if you have characters that can, you know, really carry you along through it and be something you're interested in, something you care about. Uh, but then you run into the problem of they refuse to let Link talk, so yeah. you're o- you've only got kind of so far you can go with that. So yeah, maybe it is time for them for Zelda U to really completely reinvent the wheel. And it definitely is. Um, I mean, th- if they would put out a game like this now, oh boy. Well, on that one, you're just like, how did that take that long to yeah. make? Like that should you should, that should, that's a that's a Ubisoft level like you know once a year, two every two years thing. Yeah. See, shots like this right here, like this scene, the game's incredible, the atmosphere is awesome, but then you get like outside and it's just this barren green, blocky polygonal disaster. Yeah. Well, that's the interesting thing about Zelda U kind of doing the open world thing because previous you know previous Zeldas have done an open field. Right. But there's not really anything in that field. Like yeah, in Zelda, a lot of the... And Ocarina has that too, where it's like a lot of... You know, it's big and open and you can run around, but mainly you're using it as a travel time between interesting places. Because that like, was a big deal back then, though. Yeah. Having that field, like in Ocarina of Time, was like, oh my god, I can get on a horse and I can ride Man, for like wow, five we're miles. we're in Hyrule. We've yeah. ne- it's never been... A, you know, oh my god, you have to get to the castle before nighttime because they close it, so you'll... Die, even if you're five inches away from it, and then yeah. bring the fucking, <laughs> like have fun with the zombies. Yeah, but um, that is honestly something I feel like Nintendo has a problem recognizing is when something that used to be cool is no longer cool. Mm. They it's like because you're bad. yeah, be, exactly <laughs> because they operate in like this vacuum where they're not influenced by a lot of other developers and publishers, and a lot of times that amount that ends up creating great experiences that are different from everything else, but. In other ways, it also makes them hold on to ideas way too long. Mm-hmm. And I think not just even in like Zelda or whatever, just I think in general in their business, it's been something that's been a problem for them for a while. So, you know, their reluctance to go into online play. And I mean, we can go on and on about Nintendo dragging its feet. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's just it's something to remember that even like the geniuses sometimes don't know great when it's in front of them. And yeah. one of the thing I always think about with that is... Um, it's an old uh, Warner Brothers cartoon called Duck Amuck, which is yeah. where Daffy Duck gets drawn into all these horrible things, and it's very strange. But the, the story goes that the guy who wrote and made that, in the old days, the way Chuck Jones, the genius behind the Looney Tunes stuff, he would, he would watch the rough animation of it through like a little collide, you know, kinetoscope thing with no sound. And if you watch that cartoon with no sound, it's just Daffy talking to the camera for yeah, seven yeah. minutes. And he's like, there's no way, we can't, and the, the guy begged him to watch it with sound in the screening room, so they eventually finally did, sat down, watched it, the, 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 you know, the thing rolled, and, and Chuck Jones goes, okay. And, like that, and, that was yeah. it. and that's how one of the greatest cartoons ever got on the screen. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, sometimes you don't even, you know, it doesn't matter how great you are or what you do, sometimes you just don't see it when it's in front of you. Yep. So to wrap it all up, I would say, if you've played it already, don't buy it again. 
<laughs> for a number of reasons. It just it's not worth it. Um, I, mm. Even if you're like desperate, cancels like, pre-order. <laughs> <laughs> even if you only own a Wii U, like I would say, go buy. And if you have a 3DS, go like buy Fire Emblem Fates or something. Like go play Wind Waker HD if you haven't played that yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you've not played Twilight Princess, it is undoubtedly the superior version in pretty much every regard. Um, you know, they've smoothed out pretty much every rough edge on it. Again, you know, they haven't affected a lot of the geometry in the worlds, which I think mm-hmm. is why it looks so dated in a mm-hmm. lot of places. Link's properly left-handed. Yeah. Which he was not on the Wii. Exactly. Um, I mean, it is the definitive version of the game and probably the best version of the game you're ever going to get. I don't see them doing this again. Um, yeah, unless you like, unless, you know, I mean, there's like user-made texture pack stuff on the dolphin yeah. and stuff, but like... I mean, this, look, this already runs at 1080p, rock solid, 30 frames a second. I would hope. Never falters, right. It should be able to, but it does. Like, look, there are some HD remasters where the frame rate gets sloggy, and that's not the case with this one. It's technically solid. 30 60? I think it's 30. That's what it appeared to me while I was playing it. I haven't seen, like, any Digital Foundry videos to know, but mm-hmm. it... It seemed to me that it was 30 frames per second. It looks like 60 watching it here, but maybe I'm wrong. Well, I don't think that the the, the encoding of the video that you're watching right now is 60. No, but there's, there's, a, there's a smoothness to it that I thought might be that. But it is smooth, though. It is silky smooth, and it never stutters. And So, yeah, it is the definitive version of The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess, but I think you may be like me if you've played it already and be... <laughs> unpleasantly surprised that the game doesn't hold up to maybe the lofty standards that you held it to. What if you're like me and you didn't even all that, like it all that much in the first place, but you're kind of curious again? Well, here's what I would say to you. You should definitely play it, because you never finish it the first time, and there are some incredible dungeons in this game. And so, yeah, for you, play it. Like, don't cancel your pre-order or whatever. You're <laughs> going to need that amiibo anyway. So, uh, yeah, if you've never played it before, it's probably worth playing. If you're a Zelda fan, it's definitely worth playing. Um, but I'm just saying... Fair warning to people who have already played it, do not go and buy this again thinking that it's this crazy new experience that's going to make it so much better than the last time you played it. Chances are you're going to come away with it being like, dang, I can't believe I like that so much. So at least that's how I feel anyway. And I would call myself a Zelda fan. Like I've played every Zelda game I think ever. Um, the only game I didn't finish was Minish Cap, which I probably should have because everyone says that it gets better as it goes. But... I finished that, but I don't remember any of it. Yeah. Well, those like that's the forgotten Zelda game. Capcom Everyone forgets that developed one. like yeah. handheld versions. Well, I like, never, yeah, I never played like the, the Oracle of Ages or Seasons. Well, I played, I finished those. I played, yeah. those. I like those. Uh, but like Minish Cap, I remember I played through all of Minish Cap, and I didn't have any problem with. Them. I was like, oh yeah, cool. So I couldn't tell you a damn thing about that game. Like I don't remember, a, I don't remember a single thing except the hat. Yeah, like that's it. Like, I don't <laughs> know what. Cap. And everyone forgets that game. It's, it's like yeah. people, it's like their favorite Zelda games, and everyone always, no one ever puts Minish Cap on their list. And like, what about Minish Cap? You never played that. It's like, oh no, I played. Yeah, I played that. Yeah, that was pretty good. Like, it was like, it's <laughs> there's like, a hat in it. <laughs> it's like the Zelda game everyone can agree on. We all thought it was okay. Yeah. There's no yeah. reason to complain about it. There's no reason to praise it. Yeah. Minish, Minish Cap. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so that's going to wrap up Zelda's time to move on to the last topic of the big six. Big HoloLens coming out party, Matt. Yeah. Big money. Big party for rich Big people. money, no whammies. Because <laughs> you're going to have to go on a game show to afford the thing. Yeah. So at this point, like, really, the only one left is PlayStation VR. Because yeah. it was announced this week, HoloLens dev kit, $3,000. Hmm. <laughs> Hollow monocles popping everywhere. <laughs> Let's put that in perspective. So, 
Oculus Rift development kit, three fifty, mm-hmm. retails for six hundred. <laughs> yeah, let's hope that ratio doesn't hold. Yeah. In this case. If that is the case, I mean, this thing will cost five or six grand. Yeah, I'm thinking no. 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 I'm not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I would, there's no way, I mean, I don't know who this is made for. I mean, apparently people who have homes like this, like, I don't, that. <laughs> like, three grand for the dev kit. The dev kit comes with. But you get a flat screen TV everywhere there's a wall. Yeah. You, it's like five flat just, screen right, TVs. Just, it's like having a million flat screen TVs that it yeah. can travel with you wherever you go. That's a bargain. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, I uh, I don't I don't even know what to say about it. Like three grand for the dev kit—that's just insane. And it doesn't look like this. Like the viewing, the viewing like arc is not that. I mean, what you're seeing in that video is no way. It's like it's it's. This is like the debut trailer for Hololens yeah. we're seeing right here. Go to the other B-roll that we have loaded up on the uh, on the TriCaster because in this you can actually kind of see the field of view. So. It comes with three experiences. One of them is Young Conquer, which we're seeing right here, an augmented reality game where Conquer platforms around your living room and house, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I don't like Young Conquer. I think he looks stupid. I think they I wanna... murdered the IP. Well, I want to know what if, like, over the course of platforming through your house, the things happen to him that turn him into. The bitter old drunken conqueror. That would be awesome. Maybe the reason he's bitter old drunken conqueror is because he had to spend so much time with us. How funny would it be if if he was able to detect a beer bottle? Ah, and he gets drunk for the first and time. And he gets drunk and he transforms into <laughs> the old conqueror. <laughs> but look, this is all augmented reality, but it's pretty freaking cool augmented reality. Like, here he's platforming on the side of a wall. Like, yeah. And he takes into account, like, all the objects. So he know, for instance, he knew it was a couch. So he knew he could bounce on the couch because it was springy. So it's like intelligent AR that recognizes the environment and then changes behavior based upon that environment. Mm. I mean, it's cool tech. Um, I mean, clearly it's not primary, primarily for gaming. I mean, they're, they're trying to sell this as more of a lifestyle tech thing. Yeah. Um, who knows what the cost would be? I mean, it, 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 it reminds me of when, you know, the Time Magazine guy guessed it was like 350 and the, yeah. the Holland's developer was like, yeah, see you later, dude. <laughs> like, it was like, thank you for your time, son. It was yeah. just like, it was like, oh, that means there's a lot more than that. So, I mean, you're trying to sell it as a kind of a luxury AR device in the same realm as Go- like Google, Google Glass. And we all know uh, how that, all know how that, that turned out. out. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, someone's going to hit on this tech at some point. Uh, you would think. Because, Feels like it might be a long ways away. Yeah, it may not be this one. And again, HoloLens can sit in the sh- sit in the drawer for a long time, like, you know, until the time is right. Uh, the time doesn't seem to be financially particularly right right now. But again, you know, boys and their toys, you can probably, you can probably sell 15K yeah. of them. <laughs> Maybe. For about 15K. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> um, no, but I'm sure, that, I'm sure you can get an audience of like, you know, high, but it's again... You need people designing stuff for this and making stuff, putting apps out and putting that kind of stuff out. And if it stops being useful in that regard, what's the point? Yeah. I, I can't honestly see anybody who would want to buy this. Like, I can see maybe educational institutions buying it, like universities, just so they have something to blow their budget on. And so their students can be like, oh, my God, our school's awesome. They have these crazy things that we put on to learn with. But, like, I just... That's a lot, though. That's like, that's. I mean, then you're, you're in, like... 
Steve Jobs' next territory with his $13,000 learning computer thing for yeah. schools. It doesn't make any sense. It, it doesn't. And, like, Minecraft, I'm sure, is what they're going to try to sell is, like, the killer app for it. Mm-hmm. Um, the other two experiences, I don't know if you can find the B-roll for it or not. One of them is actually kind of cool. There's a, uh, a crime drama adventure game called Fragments. And the first shot that they show is the guy with the HoloLens sitting on a couch, and like a character from the game is sitting on the couch next to him. <laughs> That's pretty freaky to me. The like, way he like turns and it's just there. The person sitting on the couch with him, like hmm. sitting on his couch, like he, like it. The the system has the ability to scan the environment that you're in, and then again have like those characters like dynamically interact with it so this character from this crime drama game figures out you have a couch in your living room and comes over and sits down on the damn couch and like starts talking to you on your couch like that to me is pretty freaking crazy man mm-hmm. like i don't know it's just like all of this is really cool looking and very futury and very you know total recall you know minority report style stuff but like i also saw the original videos for the connect and that ain't what the Kinect was like. You're right. You know, I mean, right. it's... It, 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 oh, here's what I was talking about. Uh, Look at this. Isn't that freaky, dude? That flips me out. Of course, he can only see, like, a tiny sliver of that at one time because the viewing angle is not... Well, I think some enough. of these videos, though, like, they do kind of show, like, a they shade the side yeah, of the yeah. videos to the kind of show you. The last one we had up had, had, like, kind of a bright middle... The Conquer video yeah. has, like, a bright center that shows you, like, how far he can go before he, you lose the line of sight. Yeah, but, I mean, this is crazy, dude. How people come into your, like, virtual people come into, like, your house and start, like, talking to you and shit, like... Well, my question—I mean, that's that's neat, but like, I guess I my question is like, it seems like it'd be—is he using like a VR headset there for that? Is that no, like a because uh. because he has like the the big glasses thing on for that? No, it's just the Hololens. Just the Hololens. Yeah. Like the limited viewing angle on that scene is a killer to me. I just don't see how that's going to work in terms of an immersion. Like, it doesn't seem like very useful as a gaming device to me. Yeah, I mean, you just have to look straight ahead. I mean, if you start looking at the side of your eyes, it's, yeah, but it's just the constant immersion broken. breaking. It, it yeah. seems like more useful as like you know, like that one video shows the woman walking through the office and like she's talking to a guy, you know, in a video conference, and her email is popping up over here and something. Like that. that seems like a more useful uh, thing. It just seems like it, it's a very limited toy kind of thing for a gaming idea like it just feels like vr i mean you know ar is a more interesting thing in terms of how it interacts with your environment but like the vr seems like it's going to be less because here's the trippy here's less a... of a one-off like oh this is an app i screw around with on my phone and then i'm done but see I, there is a different feeling though with ar and vr and it's that you're mixing the fantastical with the mundane and the mm-hmm. mundane is your living room or your kitchen and it's like, you know what's there. You know how things are supposed to operate. You know who may or may not show up there. So to see your couch or your living room or your kitchen and just have these other people or things in there that shouldn't be there, that's where it's different from VR. Because VR, you get submersed into this world where you do expect weird things to happen. And you do expect fantastical things to be there. But mixing, like, the real world with this stuff gives AR a different angle. Whether you like it better or whatever, it's going to be up to everyone to kind of decide that. But I do think that there is value in AR outside of what you're getting with VR. And I think Mm. 
these demos that are releasing with HoloLens demonstrate that. Like, you know, just the novelty of having, is it better to be in the Minecraft world or is it better to have the whole Minecraft world on your coffee table? I'd love to have the whole Minecraft world on my coffee table, but I need it to be more than 30 degrees in my viewing angle. Right. Like, like the, the limited viewing angle is the killer to me in that regard. I can't get past that. Because I've seen, you know, when you, when you put it on and you look at the Minecraft thing, it's this little, it's basically like a sliver of your yeah. viewing. Like, it's, it's not what it looks like in those videos. And well, it's not Well, you can see in the Conquer video how, like, um, the characters were going out right. of the field of view. Right. And I, like, if, you know, because when you say, like, oh, it's eerie that this person's sitting on my couch, what I think was eerie is that I look over and I see half of them. Yeah. You know, like, that's, that breaks it completely for me. Like, that, because like, it's, AR is interesting to me um, if you can get, if you can encompass more of my field of view or if you can make it more of like, a, you know, the, I think Google Glass was kind of not necessarily the right idea, but it was more of a business sort of, you know, inform, you know, taking the phone out of your pocket and putting all that information in front of you on a regular basis. Yeah. Like, that is an interesting use. I think that's where AR is going to really take off, is having everything sort of, you know, reality is augmented by having everything you need to see, know, interact with, or do right in front of you. Whereas, like, making a gaming experience out of it is going to be a tougher prospect for me because, like... Like, I, li- I really love the idea of having, you know, Conquer crawling over my furniture and doing all this, but if it only works in, in this tiny little range of motion, if I even move my head a little bit, it's off. Like, that's, that breaks it. I definitely hear you, I, and I would agree with that as well. Like, it's not... It's the, and that I might mean, be a physical limit. I mean, I, mean I, I don't know if it's even possible to make it better than what they got. I don't know either. And uh, look, AR is never going to be as immersive as VR. Mm-hmm. It'll never even be as immersive as just playing a normal video game, I don't think. But I think... It does have a higher opportunity to startle and shock and just create weird feelings. I don't know. It's like... Like, if you could do... Like, I would be interested in, like, a game where, like, um, they use the HoloLens as, like, a ghost scanner, kind of, like, a fatal frame sort of thing where, like... Yeah. Like, if you... Yeah, it's like, yeah, you have to have it at a right angle because, like, it has to... You know, it only works in this amount. Gamify its lack of vision is what right, I'm saying. Right, exactly. And, like, and, you know, because if, like, all of a sudden you look down the hallway and there's a fucking monster down your hall, like, you know, because, like, you can... But you can only see it when it's in the little reticle that they put... You know, because you can put, like, heads-up stuff on this thing. Yeah. And, like, so, like, okay, this you make it the reticle. You make it... This is this is your field of view for this this, right. this ghost viewer... And you have to look and see, and like only when you can see them, it's like fatal frame. Only when you can see them can you activate whatever you do to stop them or right. capture them or whatever. That could be a really interesting way to do things, and it could also happen anywhere. Right. That's the other. That's the other advantage of AR is that you're not confined like with Vive to a room. Right. It's not like like this could happen on the street while you're getting a subway sandwich and you look like a crazy person trying to fend off a demon. It'd be great. That's what's It'd be cool. Fun. That's what's cool about Hololens is that no matter where you are, it's constantly surveying your mm-hmm. environment and it knows where everything is and it can it knows where a wall is and it knows it can put something behind that wall so that when you come around the corner, it's there mm-hmm. and you're like, whoa, like unless I'm looking too far up. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like, see, that's that's where it, it runs into. I mean, I'm sure there'll be ways around it, but it feels like such a limitation that it's hard for me to look at this and think of it as a gaming device. I don't. Right. I don't think they. Th- I don't think the people making it think of it as one either. No, I don't think they. Are. I think I, that's what they think. That's just use. one of the uses. Well, I also know. think that they probably believe that's how, if it ever does get mass market penetration, that's how it's going to happen through mm-hmm. a game. It's not going to happen through learning or whatever. Like. Look, they're going to sell tons of these to universities and schools and, you know, private high schools or whatever. Um, I don't ever see this becoming, like, a mass... Ex- well, I wouldn't say ever. 
But in the immediate future, I do not see this becoming like a mass consumer mm. product. And the I mean, I think I think eventually this kind of thing is what our phones will be. I right. think this will be what people have. I mean, yeah. the, the, but again, I think this is ahead of, ahead of its time. And being ahead of your time and I think is the not price always tag a good thing. Shows that. Yeah. Yeah. Three thousand dollars. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it's more expensive when I don't even know if it'll be sold at retail. To be honest with you. Maybe not. Like, it may just be a special order thing, or maybe you can only buy them at Microsoft stores or something. Or yeah. And I'm, sh- I'm sure there's, like, really interesting, like, research yeah. uh, uses for them. I mean, I'm sure, um, there must be more professional. I mean, I think it's probably more useful as a professional tool in a lot of ways yeah. than a mass entertainment device. I don't, think, I don't think the tech's there for that yet. Yep. So it's coming out. The dev kits are being released ap- mid-April, I believe it is. Um, I think pre-orders for them have maybe already started. Um, look, <laughs> if you're a sifter and you're going to get one, um, <laughs> let's make you a correspondent because <laughs> yeah. we're not going to buy one. And I'm I'm being serious. Like if somebody yeah. on sifted gets a HoloLens and uh, or write you, some columns about your experience, write some with columns it. or do some videos, we could work something out with one of you guys. Um, we're certainly not going to buy it. Certainly not at three thousand um, dollars. So we'll see, but I don't know. I don't know how to like really classify how I feel about it because I'm really excited about certain parts of it, and other parts of it are like huge downers. So my main thing is it kind of makes me sad because it just reminds me of how long it's going to be before something really functional in that regard becomes a real thing. Because Google Google Glass may not have like worked, but I'll tell you, you know, like Jeremy Hoffman, our, you know, who was a game show for so long. No, he used to wear it to he, work. He used to wear it to work. He had, he had it. He wore it all the time. Wore it to all the events. Wore it to E three. And the first time I ever used it was when he let me see like a video he took on the floor. We went to the Figaro Hotel, and he he's like, check it out. And I he, and he put it on. I put it on, and he hit the thing for it to play, and it played as I looked around and saw the thing. And he's like, he's like, there it is. And I was like, what's the? Thing? He's like, it's the Google the Google Glass smile. <laughs> and I wasn't even real. I had this giant stupid grin on my face looking at this thing. He's like, everyone does it. Everyone looks at like two seconds in, you get this big sloppy grin on your face because you've just seen what this is going to be. And he's, right, and he's right. It was. It was. VR's it's like that too, though. Oh yeah. VR Anyone who puts like a VR helmet on for the first time, they just smile. yeah, yeah, yeah. Or their mouth just hangs open. Or you make that big frowny face like that guy in that Zuckerberg right. photo. <laughs> I'm going to guess he'd done VR before. Right, he, yeah. His old hat. But when you first put that on, there, you're you like, cannot Whoa! keep like, on smiling. No, yeah, and you sure. see that. I mean, I was when I waited in line the first time was when uh, you know the first. It was the first original that wasn't even HD. It was the original Oculus Dev Kit for E Valkyrie at E3. And you know, people would sit like four at a time. You'd sit in there and, and you'd play the thing, and you'd leave. And you you watch these guys playing, and they just their mouths are just there's these huge grins on their face because yeah. they're seeing these things that you just imagined up until now. Yeah, dreamed of. Yeah. I mean, look, Hololens has a lot of that too. It absolutely has a lot of that. Yeah, it's and I, I'm excited about that technology whenever it comes to real fruition. But uh, at a reasonable price. At a reasonable price. Yeah. But this it's doesn't. It's like you know, our the graphics has hollow bends. It's like right, right now it's a Mercedes Benz. When it becomes a Ford Escort. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, I don't know, maybe at least like a, a Beamer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, something, maybe something in a 50 grand range. Yeah, yeah, maybe something <laughs> a little more manageable. So, all right, that's it for the big six. Now we're on to our trailer of the week. It was a weak week for trailers, to be honest. Yeah. Um, there's lots of really good gameplay this week. A lot, a lot of uh, new Dark Souls gameplay. Dark Souls 3 came yeah. out this week. Um, so yeah, we're not going to make you watch that because people are going on spoiler, spoiler yeah. lockdown. Yeah, some of the footage that they put out, lots of boss fights. I was a lot really of boss su- fights. Really surprised that uh, 
Bandai Namco. I'm finally to the point in my life where I say Bandai Namco mm. instead of Namco Bandai. Um, Never. Yeah, they're really letting the publications run free with that game from yeah. that event. It's really surprised by that. But... Bandai Namco don't care. Yeah. <laughs> they're like Honey Badgers. The Honey Badgers are publishers. They don't care. So, yeah, so there's lots of great gameplay. Not a ton of trailers this week, but one trailer that did come out, the launch trailer for The Division, a week before the game comes out. That's really rare. You put out your launch trailer a week ahead of time. Mm-hmm. I think this trailer is great, by the way. It shows off a ton of stuff. Having played it several times and played the beta, I ne- had no idea that a lot of this stuff existed in the game. Um, so they, I don't know if they're showing off stuff for the first time, or I just haven't read like enough articles closely enough, but this trailer has a bunch of stuff in it I didn't even know was in the division. Uh, so, yeah, before we head to that, though, get your questions in now. That way we can get through them. You guys never do it, by the way. You watch a trailer with your... Jaws hanging open, and then you ask the questions after the trailer's over. So try to send a question now while we're watching the trailer. This is the launch trailer for Tom Clancy's The Division. I trained for a scenario like this my entire life. But it's worse than anything we could have imagined. We don't have much intel. And we don't have the luxury of failure. Not with Manhattan under lockdown and Brooklyn on the brink. People like me and you, we're what's left to hold the line. Every criminal group that we've been dealing with is controlling most of these neighborhoods. Taking whatever they want, killing whoever they want, because we got nobody to stop them. In an area this size, this many bad guys, we just don't like the idea of throwing you to the wolves. Captain, we are the wolves. Taking it back. All right, so there it is. The launch trailer for The Division. You guys did better. There's a couple questions. <laughs> also, our TriCaster operator said he was checking a uh, chat earlier, and you guys uh, picked up on a guitar being played nearby. So our studio is next to another studio where there's a person who gives guitar and voice lessons. And uh, for some reason, you guys have never heard it until now but almost every time we record the show either someone will be singing next door or they'll yeah. be playing the guitar or there's some there's sometimes like acting lessons yeah and those like, are crazy like, like it, crowds of people out like crying yeah, yeah. loudly sometimes in, like, we'll walk out of our, like, our studio and there'll be like people right outside the door fake crying like rehearsing scenes with each other and like <laughs> screaming like old married couples it's uh, crazy it's crazy so uh so yeah you weren't just hearing things there was a guitar being played. So what happens when you rent studio space in los angeles folks <laughs> all right let's see if we can get to some questions here from you guys uh i see a lot of you guys are talking about using uh vr for porn that sounds great <laughs> they're not the only ones 
Uh, here's one from Ahab GT. From what you said about the NX, oh, they're just scrolling so fast. Sounds like an HD portable gaming device, like a Super Vita, that can also stream to your TV when you're home. If that's the case, I think it's okay as hardware is only comparable to an Xbox One, considering how underpowered the 3DS is. Your thoughts? So it's basically saying, is a handheld Xbox One good enough? Good enough for what? It's good enough for a handheld. Yeah. It's not good enough for my TV. No. So no, it's not good enough. I guess not. <laughs> I would never really want that in the first place. No, I mean, for a handheld, that's amazing. Yeah. But I honestly don't play handhelds as much as I used to. No, and the really. funny part about handhelds is I mostly play them at home anyway. Right. Like... I don't really ride the train anymore. I don't really take the bus anymore. Well, I, play, I, 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 try, I went up to San Francisco last week and, and I, um, I brought my 3DS and I played Fire Emblem. And like, for an hour. For a while, <laughs> you know. I, play, I mean, I, I like the 3D. Here's the thing. You know, if you want to talk about why the 3DS comes with me and the Vita doesn't, because the 3DS closes. Yeah. Whereas the Vita is just like, here's the screen. Feel free to scratch me, you know. Yeah. Like, I'm not into that. And, uh, but in general, I just don't. When I lived in the Bay Area, I played my handhelds a lot because... It was a lot more public transit. I, li I also lived in the East Bay for most of the time I was there, and so I took a bus across the Bay mm. Bridge to work every day. And that's like a two-hour process each way. By the time you like sit at the bus stop, wait for the bus to come, ride the bus, get into the city, get to the bus station, get off, like... I had a lot of time yeah. to play games. In fact, I would end up like reviewing games like in a week just from the time I spent playing on the bus, but... In LA, like everybody drives everywhere. So mm -hmm. since I've lived here, like most of my handheld gaming is done on the couch where I could play a console. So, yeah. I, I did, however, get tons of uh, street passes in the uh, LAX terminal. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, lots. People like, got like them hidden in their or bags. Or so. Wow, so, that's yeah, good. People traveling with their 3DS, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. So I would say Xbox One not good enough for the home console experience. Plenty good enough for handheld. Oh yeah. I mean, if that's what you want. I mean, I, don't, I think the handheld market is basically over. Yeah, it sure seems that way. Phones killed it. Nintendo may give it one more stab, though. Yeah, well, we'll see how much of a stab they want to keep giving it after Pokemon Go starts pouring gold into their <laughs> coffers. Uh, let's see. Darmist57 is asking about Black Desert Online. I still haven't played Black Desert Online. Neither have I, although I, I, am, I am interested. I did get into the beta just like a couple days ago, but I've been playing other stuff like uh, Super Hot and haven't had a chance to go and play it yet. So maybe next week we can give you some impressions if you want to ask the question again. I'm going to try to play it this weekend some when it comes because it's out on Friday, right? Yeah. Uh, Dyson XP, what is your rank in League of Legends? I never play ranked. I've literally played three ranked games in League of Legends. Um, I'm level 30, though. Like, I've been level 30 for forever. But I don't play ranked because the people who play ranked are jerks. <laughs> That's really what it comes <laughs> down to. Even in normal games, people are jerks. But when you're playing ranked and, like, there's actually something on the line, like, I just can't tolerate it. I, I don't care enough. I'm not that serious about it. Like, look, I want to win. And if I'm on a team where my players don't know what they're doing like i turn into the coach and i'm trying to like help them get better at the game but i don't get angry with people and i'm not toxic and like when you start playing ranked games that's when you really get around like the toxic players because they have something on the line like they care if they're like bronze or silver or platinum or whatever i don't care about any of that like i've literally played like four ranked games so i'm level 30 i have like I got the ribbon for Timo and Tristana and Yi and a couple others, but that's it. I just play for fun. 
I really enjoy it. All of that was like listening to a different language. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea what any of that means. Yeah, that's the way League and MOBAs are, unfortunately. <laughs> like, if you don't play it, you really don't know what the what the heck's going on. Do you have a question you pulled up, Matt? Um, Ian Esquire wants to ask, when is Sifted's first birthday, and what has been the most surprising thing to come out of the site for you so far? Oh, boy. Sifted's first birthday will be, I believe it was May 25th that it launched? I believe. I'll have to check on that, but I think uh-huh. it was like... It was either 25th, 26th, or 27th. Um, and you can actually, one thing that's been changed is if you look at uh, like your profile in the forums. So if you post in the forums and it has your, your avatar, it'll have like the date that you joined Sifted underneath your name now, which is something that was just kind of stealth added over the last week, um, which is cool. So we can see people who like joined up on day one, people who just showed up. Um, so the question was, what's the biggest surprise of things that have happened with Sifted? Mm-hmm. The community is the biggest surprise, without a doubt. Um, yeah, the whole idea was kind of a dream. <laughs> I got so tired of toxic communities online. I was like, well, maybe if we charge people and they have some vested interest in the site, it'll keep the trolling down. And it has worked way better than I ever thought it would. Like, the people on Sifted are freaking awesome. Like... You guys are the shit. There's really no other way to put it. Like, it's I've never seen any website online with such civil discourse. Like, even when people get passionate and excited, which is what we want. We want people to be passionate about games. Everybody's respectful. Like, nobody is... I mean, there's been, like, two people that have been jerks. And here's the crazy part about it. Like, literally two, by the way. Like, mm. that's it. Like, two people that, like, I would have banned... From the site total out of the thousands and thousands of people that have been on sifted two total and the crazy part was these two people felt so out of place that they just quit the site and they weren't like they didn't even want their money back that's the crazy part they're like yep you were a straight shooter you told me this is the way it was going to be and this is the way it is and i don't fit in here because they were basically jerks and like <laughs> they realized that it's like uh it's like when you get a splinter in your finger and it hurts for a little while but eventually like your body naturally forces a splinter out of your skin and one day you realize it's just gone well that's what happened with those two people like they were the splinter in sifted's thumb and (laughs) they just felt so out of place they're like why is nobody else like me why is nobody angry why is nobody like basically trolling other people or flaming people and after they did it a couple times and people were just like dude what are you doing we don't do that here they felt so out of place that, like, they sent me emails. They're like, I'm leaving. <laughs> I don't like this place because people are basically too nice. That's really, like, what they said. They're like, at the same time, like, you can keep my money. Like, I'm totally cool. I read the terms of service, and you said that's the way it was going to be, and that's the way it turned out to be. So that's the shocker. I mean, it's hard. I can't find any other place like it online. Like, hmm. it really has just become, like, this game utopia for people who really are passionate about games but aren't jerks. Um, I think the recent tagline that we've started using a little bit is like ad-free, junk-free, punk-free. <laughs> That's really sifted in a nutshell. So mm. that would be the biggest surprise. Mm. And the other surprise I would say is the lack of willingness for people to pay $10. <laughs> I mean, literally, people act like $10 is going to like keep them from retiring. Like We only put the $10 in there to keep the community the way it is, to just provide this paper-thin barrier of entry. I'm like, look, if you work at McDonald's, you'll make $10 in an hour. 
But some people act like it's like a million dollars. And so that's been a surprising thing. Like literally, I think it's like uh, 98.7% of our subscribers are premium. Hmm. Like we have like no basic subscribers. Like you'll notice it because they have the silver plate and you hardly ever see them. Like every once in a blue moon, one of our basic subscribers will post something. And you're like, oh my God, there's a basic person. Like <laughs> that's so basic. Exactly. <laughs> so that's been surprising to me. Is it like the way people look at ten dollars like it's the last dollar they have? I guess uh, like, but it's also by design. Like a lot of those people who get angry. I spend that much on lunch. I know. Like, I know. And it, and, and to join a community that you will get literally like hundreds or thousands of hours of enjoyment out of in a year's time, it's like it's not worth ten dollars. Like that's been the shocking part. Like I honestly thought that we would just have like tens of thousands of basic subscribers and like maybe a quarter of that number be premium subscribers and it has been the exact opposite by a country mile so hmm. those are the two things i would say that have been hmm. the most surprising grenade artist wants to know if i'll watch hitman agent 47 with him this weekend if i watch eight okay if i watch hitman <laughs> agent 47 with you you have to see batman versus superman in the theater <laughs> This is an ongoing argument between me and him as, over the last couple of weeks. I know him already. And uh, yes, you will see Batman vs. Superman in the theater if I watch that stupid movie with you. Yep. Oh, man, there's so many questions. You guys are just loading it up. Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. Let's see. I, gotta, I guess I just need to pick one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see another question here about the GT crew. They're still in a holding pattern. They're still figuring out what they're doing. I am in touch with them. I am in touch with Brandon. Um, they just have a lot of sorting, reckoning. They just haven't figured it out yet, I guess is the best way to put it. Like, none of them have. They don't know what they're going to do. They don't know if they mm-hmm. want to go work somewhere else. It's still kind of up in the air. So, I see people giving me crap for thinking Batman versus Superman looks stupid. Yeah. Let's see, uh, Gino Mike spot, says, Matt, Spotlight, not uh, Big Short, won Oscars. I've been saying Spotlight's going to win the Oscars for the Best Picture Oscar for months and months and months. Yeah. Called it. Also, Ex Machina, one of my favorite movies. I, mean, I did, did not quite see well. that coming for the special effects award, and I'm okay with that because they did some great stuff in that movie. I love that movie. There's you guys some cool stuff it. in there that I have never seen before. That was my movie of the year. I knew it wouldn't win because it's too weird, but... Uh, let's see. Any chance you will make gamey vows into video reviews? That's from M. Griley. Uh, well, I guess one thing I would say is when we talk about games here on Game Face, you're basically getting like a 45-minute video review. Um, <laughs> it's not specific to... And we're not showing the exact footage of what we're talking about when we're talking about the games, but we are showing you footage of the games while talking about the games. So those are pretty big video reviews kind of organically on their own but if you go back and look we have done a couple video reviews already if you go and look on the premium content page there's a few there we wanted to do more but it is proven to be so expensive and time consuming to do and i knew it i knew it was going to be i've been doing video reviews for 12 years or whatever Mm -hmm. and i knew how time consuming and expensive it was but i guess the way we're looking at it is we have a limited amount of budget, so we're trying to spend the money the best way possible. And so it's important for us to do the game eval so that you guys see our opinion and you know our opinion on a game to help you guys buy the game, and then we'll follow up with that with discussion on Game Face. But is it smarter for me to use that money to get new people to work on the site or to get a new show, or is it more important to do a video review 
which is kind of redundant with a lot of the other content that we're doing. So I'm not saying we're not doing any more video reviews. I'm just trying to give you an explanation for why we don't do more than we do currently. So uh, Nolan Elric asks, why is the Bay Area so important to the games industry? Oh. So it's just where all the companies are. Yeah. Well, my answer would be... Silicon well, Valley's right there. And maybe he's asking why all the companies are. I would say the answer to that is because that's where it started. Yeah. Um, because the, the first coin-op game was... Uh, Pong was first taken out to Andy Capps in... Uh, where was that? Was that in Mental Park? Santa Clara around there somewhere? And uh, was jammed with quarters within, an, within a day. Um, and so everything kind of... You know, that industry, the coin-op industry started there, and that's just sort of where it all ballooned out from. And I, right, think, right. I think that's just where everything is now. California in general. Yeah. I mean, that's where, like, Atari star. I mean, it's just... It's, if we Atari, always talk, yeah, Bushnell was up there. Everybody yeah. was up there. We always call Apple. Japan the cradle of video games. Well, if there's a cradle of video games in the United States, it's California. Yeah. Um, and that's where J- you're right. It's Japan like, was more the savior of video games. Yeah. When after the crash, they came in and, and uh, revolutionized it again. Yeah. Well, they also made it a part there. of their culture. Right. Which is, it, I still would say video games still in America have not gotten to that place where it's just a part of culture like it is in Japan. A couple of them have, I think, but not as a medium. I'm not saying like particular games. I'm saying like gaming. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just an accepted part of life in Japan. I still feel like there's a little bit... It's getting better. But I still feel like there's a little bit of a stigma towards gaming. I think that's gone if you're under 10 right now. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. I think that whole but, generation... But, like, people, look, people our age... Oh, yeah. Like, when people find out that I play games, or they're just... First of all, they're like, wow, like, how did you do that? Like, how did you get that job? Or how did you launch your website? They're, like, taken aback by it. But then they're like, you still like playing games at your mm-hmm. age? And they'll be like, oh, I used to play, like, Space Invaders. And you get the same story. Yeah, you're like, well, they've, 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 I really they've like, improved a bit. Right, they're like, that. I really like Miss Pac-Man when I was 12. You know, they're, it's like that kind of condescending, like, mm-hmm. they're trying to say that they can relate to you while also trying to tell you at the same time that you're, like, too old to be doing what you're doing. Yeah, if someone does that to me, I just start talking to them about video games really in-depth until yeah, yeah. they go away. <laughs> That's real, I mean, I'm sure we've all dealt with the condescending jerk who tries to make you feel stupid for playing video games. I don't even care, yeah. honestly. I'm at the point in my life where I really don't care what oh, yeah, anybody absolutely. thinks of me. So. <laughs> you can also just ask them what their job is. Yeah. And, like... Talk about how, like, oh, oh your, your job's stupid, too. Like, so you can do that with anything. You can do that with literally anything. Yeah. Someone will always look down on you for whatever you like to do. It doesn't matter what you do. Lots of mixed opinions on Ex Machina in here. Some people are loving it. Some people are like, it's too weird. Which I thought probably... It was pretty weird. Yeah, it was, yeah. But, like, it's an interesting, <laughs> you know, it's an interesting take on the material. And, like, there, again, you won visual effects, and there's some amazing visual effects in that movie. Yep. Uh, let's see, here's one from Dragon Slayer 91 What do you think of Don't Nod making vampire mix between a combat and story game? Should they stick with what they're good at and just focus on story? No, no, I don't think any studio should ever just stick at what they're good at. If they want to grow as a studio, they should try new things. And yeah, vampire is a huge departure from Life is Strange, without a doubt. It's not just the gameplay, yeah. though, it's just everything. The setting and the tone. And... I appreciate a developer didn't lock themselves into one thing. Yeah. Yeah, and I think a lot of times when developers burn out, they burn out because they've been pigeonholed into doing yeah. this one type of game over and over again. One of the reasons I'm so interested in Horizon Zero Dawn is because these poor guerrilla guys have been forced to make Killzone games for like a decade, and now yeah. it's, they're finally being freed. Yeah. So, no, I'm totally cool with Dawn. I think Vampire looks awesome, what I've seen of it so far, and what they've, what they've uh, shared of it. So I'm, I'm really excited for that game. Uh, let's see, we got any more? Let's take two more if we got them. 
are you winning? I don't even know what that means. I don't know. Winning what? Mm. What are your thoughts on Stardew Valley from Gerzilla? I have not played it. Have you? I've seen it, watched some videos. It's Harvest Moon. Yeah. Uh, it's like number two on Steam right now or something? Yeah. It's doing yeah, really it's well. it's doing really well. It's almost like people like Harvest Moon or something. Maybe you should make another <laughs> Harvest Moon. I think they are. I, uh, yeah. Well, there was one from a couple of years ago on the 3DS. Um, I, did, we, I actually got that um, on Spur of the Moment for my niece, my seven-year-old niece, and I brought it to her. I didn't know if she'd like it. She was playing the Tomodachi Life, and I'm like, maybe if you had something where you actually do something in it, like you can play. It. She played it like three hours later. Got up to come down to dinner. It was around. Uh, when I was visiting and coming out of dinner, and I'm like, what do you think about uh, Harvest Moon? And she goes, it's awesome. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, we got a Harvest Moon fan here. Like, she thought it was the greatest thing, the greatest thing. It's always fun to see somebody, like, react that way to, like, one of those long-running series. And then I had to explain to her that there was a Super Nintendo version, and she was like, like blew her mind. <laughs> blew her mind at the series, like, 20 years old. Like, yeah. I had no idea. Uh, here's a question from Login Lost. Any news on pricing for Sifted? So... I guess one thing I can tell you right now is that eventually the subscription cost for Sifted is going to go up. $30 was not enough. And we, look, we did math and tried to do math. <laughs> we, math is hard. <laughs> math was not our friend when we decided to set the $30 price for Sifted. If we could um, do math, we wouldn't be doing video games. Yeah. <laughs> and I think more than anything, we want to charge money because we want to make the site more than it is right now. Um, basically, at the $30 price point, the content that we're creating is pretty much all we can afford to create, I guess is the best way to put it. And we want to do more content, and I, you guys want more content. Um, so yeah, the price is gonna go up. Um, don't know exactly when. Uh, definitely before the anniversary, I'll say. So any of you guys who subscribed on day one, when you resubscribe, it will cost more. Uh, I'm not even gonna hint yet at what it's gonna be or anything like that, because that still is yet to be determined. Uh, I just know that for what I want Sifted to become, it's not going to work on $30 a year. Um, we underestimated how much bandwidth was going to cost and several other things. Um, there's just so many things that pop up when you uh, start a company that you don't think about, like just paying for insurance for your location every year, every month, uh, just taxes and stuff like California just beats up LLCs with taxes and stuff like that. So. Mm -hmm. There's just little things like that that add up. It's like, oh, we didn't realize that. But then there's like eventually like 10 other things that you didn't realize either. And it just it just all starts to add up, particularly when you're doing stuff on a monthly basis. So the cost is going to go up. Feel free in the comments to share like what you guys would be cool with as far as pricing is concerned. Look, we're not talking about going to like $100 a year or anything like that. Like we're not going to just totally like blow out the $30 price that we've been charging so far. So... It'll be reasonable, I guess is the best way to put it. But we're still working on that. But yeah, the price will go up. Uh, definitely for people who uh, who joined right at the beginning, whenever they go to re-up for the next year, it'll be more. Um, but yeah, no definitive cost yet. So, And again, feel free to share like what you're thinking in the comments. Um, you got anything else? Did you see anything, Matt? No. Uh, Nolan Elric wants me to mention Starflight, so Starflight. <laughs> Three shows in a row with a Starflight reference. Well, somebody missed the beginning of the show. Um, Gino Mike, who we already answered one of his questions. Any thoughts on the rumor for the potential upgrade for Xbox One? That was topic number one of the big six. You're going to have to watch that on the archive <laughs> on Sifted. So. 
All right, I think that's it, folks. As usual, great questions. Thanks for sending them in. Hopefully we got to as many of them as we could. We could sit here probably forever answering questions, but try to get to as many as we can. So we'll be back next Wednesday, hopefully with tales to tell about the division. The division. Yeah, or not. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows when they send the code? Like, I'm a little nervous about it now. They could send it just like on Tuesday morning, and we have like one day to play it before we do the show. Well, so. I got it pre-ordered, so I'll... I'll play it one way or the other. Yeah. Well, we're both going to play it, definitely. So it's just a matter of whether we'll be able to discuss yeah. it in depth next week or yeah, we'll try week to after. play some Black Desert over the weekend. So maybe, I'll, maybe we'll talk about that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And actually, I'm on the beta too. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I'm not a big MMO guy. Neither am I. But like I, I've said, I this think game I said has tickled my fancy a little bit, though. Yeah. Well, like I've said, some people, I think, will remember I've said before, like when an MMO gives me, like, you know, combat like Streets of Rage, yeah. like, call me. And this one's trying to do something like that, so yeah. like, you've got my attention. Also, a robust fishing simulator <laughs> will always get my attention when one of these... Apparently, you can just sit there and get and fish as much as you want, and there are fishing leaderboards. <laughs> there are leaderboards for fishing and for, like, cow milking and for, like, any little thing you want to do in the game. Like, you can get... Your character can get really, really good at it, no matter how action-oriented or how completely stupidly mundane, mundane. <laughs> and that that is a that is something that gets my attention i appreciate that i don't know if i'll use a lot of it i don't know if i'm going to go run around like you know like milking cows all, all across <laughs> the land uh, until i level you know level 100 Gotta cow milking but i level up those forearm muscles yeah it's no joke <laughs> be good oh it'd be good to combine that with an archery character that's a that's the same <laughs> muscle group there all right, people. That's it. That's Game Face, episode 39. Next week, episode 40. These 10s yeah. just keep rolling on by. 50? Maybe we have to do something special for 50. Like, I'll sit there and you sit here? Maybe that. <laughs> Maybe we change something about the show. Maybe we do giveaway. Well, I don't know. We'll try to figure something out. 50 is a big deal. So I got a bunch of Humble Bundle uh, Steam codes floating around I'm never going to use. We could do that. Uh, maybe we... Uh, maybe we. I have a bunch of codes lying around, too. Maybe we do some kind of a thing for 50 where we have... We'll, we'll talk about it. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll find something cool to do. Anyway, everybody, thank you for tuning in, especially those people in Europe. As always, I saw tweets before we kicked off the show that a lot of you guys are going to stay up for it. We appreciate it. Thanks for all the questions. Thanks for making the show feel live. It's what really makes it exciting to come and sit here and do this with you guys. So, everybody have a great night, morning, whatever it is. Game Face is up and out.